This podcast is brought to you by Acme Markets. Fresh foods, local flavors. 93.3 WMMR Audio On Demand presents the Preston and Steve Show podcast. I noticed a couple of things Ah. on the weekend that I thought might be worth uh, bringing up to you on this fine, cold Monday morning. I did before I do my official noticing. It's freaking windy out, man. The notice is already pre-noticed that it's windy (laughs) and cold. And the notice is right. And tomorrow's going to be even colder, more cold. The notice notice is that tomorrow's temperature is even lower than today. That's right. Over a high of 29? Yeah, 24. 24. The notice corrected me (laughs) from my misnoticing. Uh, And and I noticed it'll be nice to snuggle up in bed. And uh, that's what made me think of this story. So do you guys, and does anybody here, and I doubt you do, sleep with your arms above your head? Uh, well, I mean, Show me what I, you mean by I that. I do, because I, I sleep on my stomach, and my, my hands are like this. Okay, so, so, so Casey laying, uh, essentially, like if they tell you, if you're, the, the police tell you to get on the ground, right, right. Yeah. face down, that's how Casey sleeps, I guess. So that would be arms above the head, yes. I, uh, yeah, I assume most um, stomach sleepers would probably be more inclined to do that, because if you're sleeping in bed... Like you're yeah. about to be shot with your hands up yeah. on your back. That seems kind of weird, right? But so I guess some people some do. People do so. But if you sleep with your heads, hands above your head, your arms above your head, uh, you're in the minority. A 2017 study found that what they call starfish sleepers, starfish sleepers, are those who starfish actually, Casey. These, this is those who lie on their back with their arms near their head or pillow, make up only seven percent of the population. So if your arms are near your head or pillow, wait a second. Mine are. That's not elevated above your head. Yeah, right. That's not when you. This is your hands up is like you're you're doing a chin up or a pull up. Right. That's what I would think. Or maybe over your head, your hands crossed, as you say, Casey, on your stomach. Yeah. Because you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't sleep with your arms to the side like you were dead and had fallen on your face. Right. But I guess if if it's on your pillow, yeah, I guess if you sleep on your back and you would have your arms somewhere up here under your pillow or something right. like that, that's arms above your head, I guess. What? That's exactly how my ex-wife slept. She was oh. a starfish. Oh, so really? If, if, uh, okay. if we weren't, like if she had the bed to herself... That's she would on her back with her hands above her head. Okay, and that's how she preferred it. All right, so well, she's a starfish sleeper. Yeah, she's one of the seven percent. Starfish, <laughs> starfish sleeper. A Bowie song, I think. Right? Yeah, his name was Starfish Sleeper. <laughs> I think that might have been a Bowie song. I thought so. Uh, you know, you raise your hands above your head when you're laying down into your bed. You're a starfish sleeper. He's a starfish. Hands above his head like an untethered kite. (laughs) 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 Well, these starfish sleepers make up only 7% of the population. Have you seen this pillow? And it it, it, at least, this apparently is designed for stomach sleepers, but it is, it's a little bit elevated where you can put your arm through the pillow. You've seen this? Yes. Is that? Do you, are you a stomach sleeper? Or are you a stomach? No, I, I'm. I'm a side sleeper. Side sleeper. I, 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 sleep, I sleep exclusively on my side. I can't sleep on my back because I have mild sleep apnea. I'll snort, you know, and then I'll lose. I'll, I'll, I'll stop breathing for a moment, and yeah. it'll wake me up. So I've trained myself because I tried that CPAP thing and just forget it, dude. Yeah. Uh, so I, I sleep exclusively on my side, and sleeping on my stomach is just not that comfortable to me. I'll lay there for just a little bit, and then I'll move to my side. 
Um, but I do have very specific sleeping habits and things like that. Like for Christmas, I got pillows, Ooh, yeah. which I really, really wanted. But I needed super duper thin pillows. I need two thin pillows. Sure. It's very important I for me you. to have. You know what I mean? I know exactly. For your okay. legs? No, no, for my head. So okay. I, I, I have one. That that lays on the bed, and then I put the other one on top of that, and I slip my hand in between the two. Yeah, <laughs> because I have to have my hand up here, like yeah. uh, like Jack my, Benny, by my face. Now, now, now Steve. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but but I can't. I don't like the flesh to flesh contact of my hand. Mm, I got you. I need a little cushion, and that's what that little thin yeah, pillow is. And Rochelle bought me like five of the wrong kind of pillow. She was trying. I'm like, no. I don't want a fluffy pillow. I don't want a soft pillow. Woman? I need a thin pillow, bitch. (laughs) My sister got my mom a pillow um, from Marriott. Like, we we were joking about it. Because we, you know, we're like, did you steal this from Marriott? And they're like, no, I went to the website, oh. and I because you my can mom, buy hotel pillows. Yes. Oh yeah, and yeah. mattresses too. Pre-used, pre-used, not cleaned. No, no, uh, not the ones that they've used, but they tell you on the website which mattresses and pillows they use. Get out of here. Because they hope that you actually will get go Get out of them. here. <laughs> Leave. I'm serious. No, I'm Where kidding. are you guys? Uh, no, I That's had cool. no idea. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. oh. every hotel might have different ones. It's actually like a sponsorship package. Yeah. Marriott well, I mean, good pillows. Uh, uh, again, wow. I, now, you know this is the truth. We With the sleep number bed, I'm, I ha- always have the best bed at home. How The, 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 the pillows are still... I actually have good pillows now, but finding that right pillow can mm-hmm. be a journey. So, Dr. Shane Criado is a sleep medicine doctor. I and, know you. You're Dr. Shane Criado. And psychiatrist <laughs> and says most people sleep on their non-dominant side, he adds. Yeah. Our, oh, listen yeah. to this. Our subconscious mind may feel safer sleeping on the side as your dominant hand yeah. can raise up to protect you in to case fight. of an attack. That's right. This I w- is a deer in the house. I would sleep more on, uh, so I'm right-handed, but I would sleep more on my right side when I, if I'm going to sleep on my side. Uh, that's so that I can oh. force myself with my dominant hand, spring up off the bed into a standing position. I don't, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I toss around the bed all night long. I'm, I'm left side, right side. All I, I flip all over the place while I'm sleeping. So that this is out the window as far as I'm concerned. I did the thing uh, uh, two or three weeks ago where I, I slept on my left arm and I woke up and it was dead. You, dead. you, you could have chopped my arm off. I wouldn't have felt the damn it. Thing. It is the freakiest so thing weird. in the world when you when you got just a dead arm hanging off. I remember as a kid, like, the first time that happened to me, scared oh, me. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like, I thought, if that's it, uh-huh. you did it. You did it. You killed your hand. You killed your arm, didn't yeah. you? Mm-hmm. All right, so what is that sensation? Because it's not, your hand's not asleep. It's kind of like pins and needles, but your hand basically feels like it's three times the size that it actually is. I haven't had that happen. No? No. That's I called just... Popeye syndrome. <laughs> yeah. I've had it go completely dead, and you can sit there and pick it up and move it around yeah. right. and go, wow, you this just gotta... is nothing. But I've never had it where it feels Yeah, it's bigger. a weird sensation. It's kind of like, uh, it, it's in the... Ballpark of your hand being asleep, but it's not asleep. I've had if the pins and needles. If anybody knows and can concur yeah. with Casey on that, please uh, call in to one five two six three WNMR. Chris Branther is a certified sleep science coach and says that while sleeping in a certain position each night uh, could just be a habit. Another explanation for sleeping in starfish fish position starfish. could be that you raise your arms above your head to create extra space for cuddles. 
What? Mm. He also adds... You know, I think it's bad. I think it's that people just want cuddle. <laughs> That's uh, this great. Uh, Why not you go pick up the lunch today? He also adds that you might be sleeping this way due to having issues breathing while you're sleeping, as this position naturally opens up the lungs. For some reason, anytime I fall asleep on my back, uh, two things happen. Sometimes I hold my breath, but more more so, uh, I, I choke on my own spit. Really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Um, so he also adds that you might be uh, sleeping this way due to having issues breathing while you're sleeping as this position naturally opens up the lungs. Like I said, also Brantner says uh, he isn't sure how much stock he puts into deciphering someone's personality based on their sleep position alone, but that many people believe starfish sleepers. <laughs> starfish! Which one do I play? Do I play Starman or do I play, yeah, play Starman? Okay. Uh, aren't comfortable being the center of attention and may also be better listeners than other people. It's a crock of what? crap. Okay, whatever. Uh, night. Let me go to Zoe. Hey, Zoe, good morning. Hey, good morning. Sorry to borrow the at work. <laughs> it's all good, Zoe. What do you want to share with us? So I don't know if I can say the the word, um, but my um, my husband teases me because apparently I sleep with my hands up. But the covers are like down below my boobs when I do this. Okay. So he's like, he's like, you're totally ready for like the burglars because your like, hands up, boobs out. Your boobs are out, <laughs> and your hands are up. hands up, boobs out. <laughs> oh that God. is pretty wild, Zoe. I have yeah. no idea why I do that. So wow. you literally sleep. So when you are your hands touching the the the, the backboard of the bed. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, they're, like, still on the pillow. I don't think they go all the way to the Okay, all right. They kind of touch each other, you know? Okay, so I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's uh, it's like you're doing trunk twists. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's doing in Tokyo. That's what it is. I was thinking more like playing a hammock. Like you said, it's another way of being ready for the police, right? That's right, yes, or the deer. All right, Zoe, thank you. Or like Marissa saying, like you're laying on a hammock with your your hands behind your head. Sure, Mm -hmm. sure. It's kind of uh, chilling out, total relax mode. All right, hang on. Megan, uh, is anybody texting in about Casey's giant hands? Uh Uh-huh, it's called neuropraxia. Okay. And um, it's a medical... It's the Clayon home planet. And it is, it's, that's where they got the name. Uh, but yeah, they, so there is a medical term for what Casey was describing. All right, so ah. It's a disorder of the peripheral nervous system in which there is a temporary loss of motor and sensory function due to blockage of nerve conduction. It's got to be it. Uh, usually lasting an average to six to eight weeks before fully, full recovery. Wow. But there are temporary uh, symptoms or temporary um, occurrences of this. Okay. What's the nerve conjunction function? <laughs> I don't know. Conjunction. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know what? I guess the, the pins and needles thing, I had always thought that that was blood circulation. So maybe it's nerve. Uh, I've never understood actually. What, what, you know, like, if, of course, if you sit on the, 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 the john for too long and you're there and your legs fall asleep when you stand up, you start to get those pins and needles. So maybe yeah. it's everything coming back online all at once. I don't I know, know. If it's pressure from uh, from the nerve or the, or the or cutting off your blood. Uh, I have Megan uh, who says hey. she has felt this sensation before. Hi, Megan. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Wonderful. So you've had you, you've had it feel where like a part of your body is larger. Yes, so it has nothing to do with sleeping, but when I was in labor, um, I had my epidural, which obviously is a nerve block, and you guys are talking about it being blockage of nerves. Um, My one leg was completely 
numb, couldn't feel it at all. But the other leg, I couldn't feel pain, but it felt like, I, the only way I could describe it is, is it felt like it was a balloon just sitting there, and I would touch it, and it was it felt like it was like three times bigger yeah. than what it was supposed to feel. So, Megan, when I've had my arm, to, to Nick's thing about falling asleep, or you're, and it feels like a dead arm, it does feel like it's bigger. So maybe that's yeah. the same thing you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, we. I guess your 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 ability to perceive the size of your own appendages yeah, it's is impaired by Thanks, Megan. Because I'll you know when it when it happens, I have you do to jazz like, hands. On, well, <laughs> essentially, I have to to get the feeling back in yeah. my hands. Well, wait, I thought you said it doesn't. Uh, you don't lose the the tent touch sensation. Uh, yeah. I, well, that's what I was saying. I'm like the only thing I can sort of like. Uh, um, Equate it. Uh, equate the the f- sensation to is like pins and needles. So, okay. in order to get the uh, full feeling back in my hands, I have to like move my hands around, jazz hands, right, yeah. or uh, and then like touch my uh, fingers to one another. And when I do that, everything feels bigger. Right, so, question: It feels it feels bigger, but does it feel numb too? Or no? I mean, bigger? I have sensation. I can feel it. Okay, but I just it just Ooh. feels bigger. That's the only way I can describe yeah, I it. I could do that with my okay. junk. That's weird. Uh, so, yeah, a couple of people checking in, I guess, uh, who have a similar uh, situation. Let me see here. No, these are all people who sleep with their heads above their hands. Uh, let me go I to so. Paul real quick. Hi. <laughs> Not their what? hands above their heads. <laughs> heads above their hands. You're right. This is the other way around. <laughs> hands above your heads. Hi, Paul. Good morning. Hey, good morning. What's up, buddy? First of all, let me say, Casey, I want you, boy. <laughs> oh, wow. I want you, boy. I want you. I want you back here. It's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> different message. But... I think that was just Paul just being straight up. Yeah, no, no. It's first... Deliverance. First time, very long time. So uh, a little thanks, more, to be honest with you. But... Oh, no problem. Thanks for taking it all. Yeah, so I've had rotator cuff issues over the years. Um, and as a matter of fact, I just had reconstruction this past uh, January. But when I lay flat on my back, which is how I typically sleep, with the rotator cuff, it felt it feels like sometimes like there's an anvil hanging hmm. down through the bed, pulling on your shoulder. Jesus! Wow. Mm. The only way that I could get relief is to actually put my arms over my head. Okay, that would provide relief or I disconnect maybe, the anvil. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or an elephant. Sometimes it would feel like it's hanging off the damn shoulder. So, so wow. you're saying in the position you sleep, can, can you you can alleviate that pain, that rotator cuff issue? Yeah, exactly. By by putting the arms over the head, it kind of alleviates that that excess pressure. Huh? Okay. Do you ever do like an inversion um, table? Table? Tried that. Tried that in the past. Yeah, I've I've had. I listen to you guys, uh, you know, every day basically, and some of the injuries that you guys rattle off, I've been through many of them. So. Wow. All right. Well, I, I hope it's getting better for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Right. Thanks, Paul. See Bye-bye. you, bud. Uh, real quick, our buddy Tucker uh, is a massage therapist, I believe, is on the line. Hey, what's up, Tucker? Uh, not much, but um, when you get the pins and needles in your arms, that's uh, you're blocking the nerve, and your brain's not getting in, any sensation up the nerves. Okay, it starts to make things up, like phantom pain when you lose the limb. Yeah, the phantom. Feel their hand. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and also with the with the blood circulation, when your hand swells up. You may be blocking the blood from going out of your hand, but it's still going in because the heart's pushing it in. That's interesting. Control the blood circulation in your hand. So you're saying the perception of it being a little bit inflated, it could actually be that you have you're carrying a little bit more blood in that appendage for, because yes, you're your part, heart's okay. pumping. Oh. Yeah, your heart's pumping the blood into your hand, but it's not going out because you may be blocking the veins going okay. out. So, so if you don't wake up in, in time, you'll explode. 
No, no, it'll eventually the pressure will build up. Okay. All right. All right. Interesting. Thanks, Tucker. I can see that. You're very well. I yeah. can absolutely see that. All right. Um, so, interesting. You might be a starfish sleeper. All right. I did notice some other things. Um, hey, this is a really weird story. I saw this uh, last week and did, didn't get a chance to report it. The Centers for Disease Control yesterday or at last week said that five people died of rabies in the U.S. last year. That's the highest number in a decade. So rabies is, you know, the people dying from it is very, very rare. Yes, but because within you, a year, five people died uh, from uh, one animal or from no, uh, no. These are these are cases from uh, gotta get that thing around the country. Uh, the CDC released it's a like report the Jason born of raccoons on three of them. All the results of contact with bats and said their deaths could have been prevented. Uh, and I remember this. I, I, I reported on this on the Bizarre File. Uh, one was an 80-year-old Illinois man who refused to take the shots after exposure. Would have saved his life, but he had a fear of vaccines. Uh, I think that was pretty damn well proven. Is that is it that point? Is, okay, so what, what kind of shot do you get when you get a rabies shot? Is that a vaccine? I believe that's what it says okay. here. So I don't know, Nick, if you could look and up rabies they, treatment. They still don't do the, I mean, the full, like, nine shots in, the in your stomach, stomach, do they? Oh. I don't know. No, that stopped uh, because yeah. we've, we've talked about rabies a few times and, <clears throat> excuse me, doctors called in and said they don't do that uh, stomach shot anymore. Uh, an Idaho man and Texas boy didn't get the shots because they didn't believe that a bat bite or scratch had broken their skin. Uh, one of the two other deaths was a Minnesota man bitten by a bat who got the shots, but they weren't effective because of an undiagnosed immune system problem that he had. And the other was someone bitten by a dog in the Philippines who died after returning to the U.S. Uh, And rabies is usually fatal, but it can be prevented through a series of five shots given within two weeks of exposure. So you do have some time. Death by rabies is particularly horrible. Yes. The first vaccine for rabies was introduced in 1885 and then uh, perfected and improved in 1908. And so, yeah, there, there have been rabies vaccinations around for a long time. But, but can you get it post? After uh, exposure? Yeah. Because uh, a vaccine is usually pre, right? Preventative. No, yeah. it's no. after. Okay. Well, you, you can, you can, once if, uh, that's my understanding. If you're bitten by a dog, you get the shots. Like a dog you think is rabid. Yeah, I was just Not curious. Not that you pre-interview the dog. Yeah, you can get both. You can get before you can get exposure okay. And, okay. and after. Before yes. you bite me, I have a few questions. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's pretty terrifying, Steve. I, I saw a video one time of a... Uh, oh, yeah. Because I was curious about, you know, if is there video of people suffering from, you know, uh, the after effects because we watched once you get it, you can't, you it's, it's, you can't, it can't be undone. Your brain is turning to mush. basically. Exactly. And there was a, it was a kid who had rabies and they had, and there's a weird thing that happens. It is an innate fear of water, liquid. Mm. And so they showed this kid, they were, they were holding water near him and and it, it was terrifying him. It was scaring him. I don't know why. Um, uh, maybe it's fear of, of, of drowning or something like that or, or, or choking or I'm not really sure. Uh, hang on a second. Uh, Joe got bitten, uh, and might, and had to get rabies shots. Hey, Joe, you're on the air. Good morning. Yo, good morning, it. What's up? Good morning, it, buddy. So how old were you when you, uh, when you got bitten and what were you bitten by? Oh, well, I was working up in the Northeast and there was these wild cats out back, uh, the business and I was stuffing trash into a dumpster and out comes a kitten on my finger. Okay. So I shook him off and I pushed the crash trash compactor button, and the doctor told me I shouldn't have did that because I should have saved the cat. Then I had to get rabies shots. Okay. okay. And so, yes. so you did because you didn't know if it was rabbit or not. 
No, yeah, that's what they did. You have to, you have to do that, or you got to wait till you die. Yeah, right, yeah, and then at that point, you get a refund. No, the, the, yeah, uh, yeah it, it's uh, the, you've. I think that's a standard protocol. If there's an animal, and you haven't identified the animal. It's, I think it's always wise to get those shots, right? Yeah. Well, that's what they said. They yeah. said, you, you know, well, if you can't find the, I had to go look for the animal for a couple. They, they gave me a couple days. Okay, but, and uh, I had to go. I had to go get it. And I, I tell you, to this day, I still feel the shots they gave me in my butt. So. Oh, it was in the I mean, butt. It was still no fun. Yeah, they it, like they give you two like they look like uh, harpoons. Okay, wow, <laughs> quite oh, big. Harpoons. Then, yeah, it's a little. Yeah, and extreme. then they. Oh, uh, we're gonna. Uh, you've got an appointment with Doctor Ahab. <laughs> yeah, that's R. <laughs> wow. All right, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. How much of that story right. was true? What's that? I don't know how much of that story was true, but oh, you don't know the story. Of, uh, <laughs> attacked by a kitten. Yeah, you're talking about a man that yeah. used a trash compactor on a cat. Yeah, right. yeah. Snowball. That's pretty harsh. <laughs> Ripped a man in half. <laughs> well, I remember when I was living in Conchi uh, about 20 years ago. Oh, you, this story, I guess, is true, though. Yeah, yeah, this is a true story. And so this little kitten, he was just running in the little yeah. woods next to my house. I was like, oh, man, let me go save this little kitten. And uh, I finally, I got him, I cornered him, I picked him up, and he was like... <laughs> And he had the scariest, like, I mean, he could have been a tiger. He was that scary look. He was like, and, but he was this tiny little kitten, but he was feral. And they're scared, too. And he was scared. You gotta, we got to realize that. And he had, uh, I'm fairly certain he's scratched. Had a gun? Pretty good. <laughs> no, but I, I got him, like, in, like, a little carrier, and they took him to animal control. And... Did you go to the doctor when you we scratched it? No, you? Okay. no. But did like you my, die of rabies? I did not, okay. but my friend who uh, took the animal to the uh, animal control or whatever. Yeah. Tells me like years later, she's like, I didn't have the heart to tell you, but the they, cat, killed it. they killed it. They had it had rabies. I was like, <laughs> No, 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 no. Yeah, you you would have you would have gotten rabies. I would have gotten rabies, right? Because yeah. a scratch can do that too, right? Or is it not? Anyway, I I always thought it was saliva. Maybe it's saliva. Maybe it's saliva. Yeah, I'm hoping it's saliva. Because well, listen, I would have been dead by now, right? No, I was thinking maybe they were. Maybe they were bogus in telling you. might have slow rabies, rabies <laughs> which is slavies. Slavies, yeah. Deadly. Slavies. It's deadlier because... <laughs> and they say that once you have it, you'll be dead by the time you're 96. Okay. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Clock is ticking. Um, hang on a second. I'll go to Beth. Hi, Beth. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Good. What's up, Beth? Uh, my son had uh, gotten bit by a... Rabid squirrel who he thought was sick out front of our yard. Okay. Um, about 10 or 11 years ago. Yeah, he was petting it, trying to take care of it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, what uh, did you, were you guys able to get the, the animal so they could test it and see if it had rabies, or how did they find uh, out it, it was rabid? Um, well, the doctor basically he said that, um, yeah, it squirrels don't lay around when they're sick. Okay. And ask for help. So they, they were 99% short. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. You, yeah. you, you just err on the side of caution. It's not like you brought this squirrel into a room and, and, and you know, was sweating it for information. You didn't put it in a trash compactor? I, I, I don't. I'm not that kind of squirrel. I just was there. He did uh, put it in a trash compactor. My husband's a trash man. Are you serious? Oh, yes, he got rid of it. <laughs> it seems to be the preferred what? method of what? killing small animals. It's crushing up to death. What they did yeah. is they put my feet in cement and dropped me in the river. Oh, my God. Thank it's you, like, Beth. The mob has nothing on these people. Mm -hmm. we, should, we should do a conversation of 
People have killed animals with trash compactors. <laughs> oh, my God. This is like the Terminator. You think you need to put him in a press like that? You, This squirrel will not stop. It doesn't know remorse. Wow. Okay. Well, anyhow, apparently... Like to go up in the fees, the, the pine cones and the nuts and the running around of the, the telephone wires. Apparently, that is the most people who have died from rabies in over a decade. Five last I wouldn't, year. That's pretty amazing, though. Five people in a nation of, what, 330 million? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. But I think we got rabies pretty, you know... Uh, pretty much covered if you if you're but unless you're you know you don't want to go get unless you want to get it yeah yeah right. anyhow um that's all I noticed that's all we're noticing the noticing is done uh, but I'll notice something again for another time hey. to notice once again another time mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we should take a break and come back in a minute because we're going to test your knowledge on today's program we'll see how closely you've been paying attention with the lesson question trash and music news coming up too so stay put we'll be back in a moment. <laughs> Not only can you hear Preston and Steve, you can see them too. Check out the weekly rush on Xfinity On Demand. New episodes, you guessed it, weekly. Podcasts? Oh yeah, MMR's got them. There's the fun size and bizarre file editions, along with Preston and Steve full show podcasts, plus the MM Archives podcast and more. Click podcasts on WMMR.com. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Since we have a couple minutes before we get um, uh, Tobias on, I did a couple things. I I don't know if I want to burn up the notice. No, don't burn up the notice. Don't burn up the notice. But... The time killer. The time killer. Okay. Right. Yesterday, we, Nick wasn't here, but we oh. created a did new we character. Did we have the theme? All right. We did. You know what you should do? Do the uh, the, the, the Terminator theme. It was one of our old ending uh, songs. Oh, yes. Do you remember okay. what it was? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. I got it. I got uh, it. And so, all right, so this is the time killer. Okay. I'll kill a little bit of time with... Yeah, there we go. All right, thank you. Uh, so, Wordle, the word game... Uh, which I am now fully engulfed in, and I play every day and can't wait to play it. You only get to play it once a day. Right. Dude, the New York Times purchased it from the guy who designed it. They bought it in the low seven figures, Hmm. which they probably could have held out and and charged more for it. Yeah. Uh, But the Times, which has other popular word games, said at, uh, at, uh, it says, quote, at the time it moves to the New York Times, Wordle will be free to play for new and existing players, and no changes will be made to its gameplay. But that does not mean that it's going to stay that way. I guarantee you. They're going to yeah. charge. They're going to tweak they're gonna it. They're going to charge. They're going to charge a subscription, uh-huh. or or you have to subscribe to the New York Times. Dude. I know. Listen, I, uh, dude. <laughs> I hate this crap. And you know what? It's not an app. It's a website. Yeah. It's yeah. a web address you go to. I, I so can I, I still have questions about it. Um, okay. So you said you can only play once. I tried it for the first time the other day, and I went through two rounds. Am okay. I on the wrong site? You're probably not on the site. You're probably on an app. Did you download an app? No, no. I did the site, like you said. It, right. Is it wordlegame.org? No. Nope. Nope. Okay. All nope. right. So there's knockoffs there, there's that a are out there. And they play the, pretty much the same it's, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and it's the same concept. A five-letter yeah. word. You try to guess it within five guesses, and, and the, uh, you know, your right and wrong guesses are marked the same way by different colors, and yeah. uh, and it's, it's unique, and, and it really does narrow it down it makes you think, and and uh, it's a fun uh, little time killer. Uh, but I don't want them to charge for this. No, man. please don't. Please don't do that. The guy, yeah, he- by the way, real ca- quick, Casey is an engineer, uh, software engineer named Josh Wardle. 
and it created Wordle. That's oh. hence the name. And he originally made it for his partner, but decided to release it publicly in October. Uh, the number of players grew from 90 on November 1st to 300,000 in just too much, and now it's up to millions. Yes. yes. Yeah. Kathy, by the way, the, the website is powerlanguage.co.uk. That's the uh, official one. Marissa? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to be optimistic about this. The New York Times is is good with their subscriptions. I use them. You can sign up for free. I use it for um, recipes. They have a really good uh It's cooking. a free subscription? It's a free subscription. It's not a subscription. It's you can sign up for free. So they get your information to look at it and to belong to their newsletter. Um, so I'm just going to throw it out there. I think they will still let you do one a day, and then they will sell you an upgraded version that's al- that allows you to do multiples in a day. Mm. That's we'll going to be that's my, that's well, my prediction. optimistic prediction Okay, um, because we're supporting newspapers and local media. I, I actually <laughs> like the once-a-day concept because yeah. you got to make it count. Yeah. you got to oh, make yeah. it count. And I have an app that allows you to do it as much as you want to, to just play. Yeah. But I like the official, You can. this is, oh, and, and it's got a countdown clock. It's the official it says, one. It says the next uh, puzzle will be available at midnight in your time zone. Is the, your first guest just a complete guest? Complete guest. Out of complete nowhere? guest. And... Mm-hmm. There's a linguistics, a couple of linguistics professors oh, really? that have recommended uh, words to start off with. Let me see. I had it here. With um, your best yeah, here base go. words. So Wordle. Uh, yeah. So uh, TikTok user Linguistics Discovery has shared his personal recommendations as to what players should input as their first guess. So I always, whatever pops up in my head. Nerds. I use spear. I'll use cloud. I'll use... I, I, it depends I, on what I'm feeling. Ooh, is this going to be an O and a U right, word, yeah. maybe? Or uh-huh. one with a C or something in there? But I try to get too exotic with... You don't want to use a Q or an X or something like right. that because it's a very rare word that you use. I like a trade. A um, you know, I like to, to have words that have like a, a T, an E, an A. A D, an R. I, I try not to use a, a word that has S in it The uh, for my first guess. So he recommends irate should be one of your first guesses. Okay. There's another specialist that developed a code that produced the top 10 best first guess words put into your, your <laughs> wordle. Yordle. <laughs> yordle. Uh, and they are later, followed by alter, alert, arose, and then irate. Followed by stare, arise, raise, learn, and renal. Renal. R E N A L. Wait, wait a second. R E N A L? Mm-hmm. Well, that, okay, so, but you got to pick a. Did you pick a five letter word? So, yeah, a five letter word. E N A L. Okay. R E N A L. Yeah, that's five. My daughter, for the longest time, was using her first guess was adieu because it had four vowels in it, and she was able to, like, basically bang out all the vowels. And narrows it down. And narrows it down. She has gotten away from that because I guess maybe it wasn't working for her. Okay. All right. Well, anyhow, New York Times bought it. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. All right. We have our next guest on, and it's fitting that it's National Dark Chocolate Day. Yeah. Because we were talking about cookies yesterday. We were. And there's nothing like some dark chocolate and cookies to make them that extra special awesome. I agree. And in Casey, did you say that he uh, was had had a, a relationship, was it yesterday, with uh, with uh, Crumble? With Crumble Cookies. Crumble cookies. Yeah, so okay. Marissa was the one who let me know. He's uh, Officially, he's the ambassador for the Winwood location. I don't know if it goes beyond that. There are separate ambassadors? Yeah, I guess well, that's, so, that, that, that's the one I'm probably going to go to. Yeah. And he had one hell of a game last night. 31 points, if I'm right? Yeah. So, uh, Sixers won last night. Please welcome from your 76ers, Mr. Tobias Harris. Hey. To the show. Uh, why did it not come up? There we go. Tobias, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? We're doing good, man. How you doing today? I'm doing well. I was just uh, 
uh, listening prior, so I, I have now some tips for Wordle. Do you? I steal some tips from you guys. Do you? Do you have a regular word that you start with, or do you change it up every time? You know, it's funny. It's like I didn't know people use a consistent word over and over. It's, for me, it's just usually the first thing that that pops up in my head. That's the way. That's the way I play that, it. Yeah, that's five letters. Uh, I was telling everybody. On the word, I was like, if Wordle was a four-letter word game, I'd be so much better. You're <laughs> <laughs> well-versed in the four letters. Yeah. <laughs> nice, man. Well, listen, uh, uh, it's so funny. We were talking about this place, Crumble Cookies, yesterday. <laughs> I was not familiar with it, but these guys are all telling me, oh, yeah, dude, they stand in line. Like mm-hmm. like people line up around the block yeah, my, my to wife, get these cookies. My wife and daughters and a few of their friends were at your location, the, the Wynwood location, maybe a week and a half ago. Uh, and they said they got there just in time. Uh, when they got there, they were able to get into the store and then not... Five minutes later, there was a line going, you know, down the block. That's insane. Yeah. How did yeah. you get on board with these guys? So, uh, no, uh, first, Crumble Cookies is extremely fast growing. Um, and once uh, I, I, t- I had my first box of cookies when we were actually in the NBA bubble. And from there, you know, I was like, I never heard of the franchise. And then I had a couple people on my team reach out and see if they were coming to the PA area. Yeah. And when I heard that they were bringing a location on the main line and, and to the Crumble Now that's in the Wynwood Shopping Plaza, I just try to work some work some magic to, to be involved in some type of way. And, you know, we came to a conclusion on being a brand ambassador. And it's awesome because, you know, one, I do personally believe – it's the best cookie mm-hmm. in the world, right? And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an extremely big cookie. Um, but the thing I love about it is every week there's four different four different cookies um, that come to the menu. So it's an ongoing thing. And for me, I just like to come in every single week and try mm-hmm. and be a part of it. And to now, like the the Crumble Winwood one, I'm I, I I'm a regular, so I go there all the time. And I'm actually going to try to go there today and actually make some cookies. Oh, well, listen, how, how to make some cookies? Today. Okay. Cookies are an ultimate joy. Uh, my, my my absolute uh, my weakness is a, is a good chocolate chip cookie. These and you're right. These these are not these are like mini pies. They're so big. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, l- listen, congratulations to you because you got in. It's now all the rage. I've heard a couple of people just passing in passing mention Crumble. So you you know this is this is just taken off like a shot. Yeah, it's the real deal. I think uh, you know there's always this this hype around it through uh, TikTok and through through young kids, and that was really what what pulled me into it because I saw the hype buzz around it, and when I knew they were coming to to, uh, to Philadelphia, I was like. I have to somehow, some way, get get my hands in on this a little bit, and uh, it, it's fun because I, I actually get to see the uh, the families who come in every single day and their excitement to walk out of the store with a pink box, mm. and then I also get to see like the operations going on in the back of the store with everyone, how much time it takes making the cookies, ingredients, everything. So I get to see a little bit of the best of both worlds. And, um, you know, outside of that, I, my, my team, my teammates, uh, you know, in particular, they're always like, Tobias, send me a box of cookies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Well, what, Tobias, what is, what is your 
cookie of choice. If you uh, had to narrow down to the one cookie that rises above all of them, what is that one? So the, the one cookie I had was actually the second time I had crumble. It was a strawberry Pop-Tart cookie. And we had just uh, we had just finished playing a game. It was last year, and we played uh, Utah. So Tony Bradley had brought a box on a plane. And I had that cookie, and I remember telling Tyrese, I was like, yo, this is the greatest cookie I've ever had in my life. And, from, you know, and, and so, like, that was one of the flavors that actually changed, changes out. So they haven't had it uh, since. It hasn't came back yet. So I'm waiting to the day that that strawberry Pop-Tart cookie comes back on the menu. And I would be the first one in line to grab as many as I can and just hold them. Don't you? Don't, I assume you have enough pull to maybe make yeah, it yeah. a perennial on the menu, right? 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 I, I, I'm trying. I mean, first the first the pull was, hey, where's you know where Pennsylvania? Do you think is one of the best locations for Philadelphia? And I was like, you got to take it to the main line, you know, in Winwood area, right? Right. So then now my, my next pull, the next pull, I tried to when they asked, hey. Put, if we bring up a new location, where do you think we should go? I give like advice there, right? And you know, I'm I'm in like the background of it, but that's part of being like the brand ambassador is figuring out how we can reach the most amount of people to hear about Crumble because it's a new franchise. Yeah. But the kids love it. The kids enjoy it. They, you know, it's just one of those Fridays and Saturdays. From what I'm hearing, it's like the hangout spot. So. It's awesome to see all that come. Well, that's great. Out. I have it's to awesome. say thank you because if you have anything to do with the location being built in Broomall, I have to thank you because that's just right around the corner from my house and it's it's being built as we speak and it should be opening soon. So, hey, I wanted to ask yeah. you about, uh, the, does Boban like the crumble cookie? So, Boban's, uh, I don't know if he's had crumble yet, but I know he 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 wrote me one day because he saw my story <laughs> and I had the box of crumble and he says, but I'll tell you, when I come to Philly, I need a box. And I said, I got you. When you come to Philly and we play you guys, you have a box in your hotel room. I, I imagine that uh, super large, very rich cookies are a part of any major athlete's training regimen, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. But for me, like uh, after a win like yesterday, yeah. I can have a treat. You know what yes. I'm saying? So yeah. the yeah. more wins, the more treats. So, you know, it just it just calls for a little extra cardio in the morning. <laughs> so that's about it. Now, does, does Tyrese get a little uh, uh, the extra gift for scoring the most last night? You give him a special cookie? It's funny you say that because I was just going to – well, actually, he's going to text me today saying, hey, T, what are the flavors? And I'm going to send it over, yeah. and then I'm going to end up sending him a delivery for a box of crumbles today. Right. Can you can, can you send – can you send deliveries? Can you, in other words, are there... Uh, well, you could probably DoorDash it. You know, I don't know if Crumble yeah. themselves actually right. deliver, but if you, you could do a DoorDash or something like that, and, okay. you know, yeah. that would work. You could do that. So you could, uh, on, the, on the Crumble app, you can you could do delivery. Obviously, it's a, a distance of where you're at, but sure. more times than not for... Or Tyrese, I, I get a delivery, or I just have some like drop it off for. So, uh, so speaking of treats, um, you know, we we had the um, I, I, the privilege to meet and interview Tyrese last year uh, in November because we we do our our um, year yearly food drive, and it's always in the the shadows of the Wells Fargo Center. So he came by before a game, and I, we got to sit down and talk with him. And what a just a a nice, neat, 
young individual and you know for you as a um as a veteran at this point um you know how great is that to see this young guy come up with such a, a great head on his shoulders like how, how much of a treat is that to, to to work with and play with a guy like that uh, it's awesome i mean he's like he's a he's just a person full of joy i mean every day comes in positive attitude smile on his face he loves playing basketball loves to hoop and, and just be around great people i mean i remember last year obviously you know, he wasn't getting that much playing time and i was just telling him like you just got to be patient. Your time is going to come. You keep working day in, day out. Um, just give us like a rookie that's into the lead. That type of advice, I think, is vital because when I had that advice, it helped me as a player mm-hmm. to just be able to push through. But to see where he's at now, just the the role that he's had to take on this year, you know, starting point guard and, and just rolling with it, like he's doing an amazing job. And, and you couldn't be any happier for for a person. For real. Yeah, I mean, he's fun to watch. The whole team is, Tobias. And, and uh, you know, I'm wondering, like, when you go to a game last night where you know Joel's not going to play and you find that out ahead of time, um, then everybody else starts to step up. You do and, and uh, George Niang and, and Andre Drummond and, and Tyrese, of course. Is that a better mindset knowing well in advance that it's a, a rest day for Joel and that way you guys can prepare uh, properly? When Joel's not playing, it's not a great day because you know, he's But uh, at the same time, I mean, knowing in shoot around that 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 was the circumstance, and uh, this is what it is. We knew as a group that we were going to have to really pull everything together, and uh, that was just our mentality: being physical out there and uh, having games like that. It, it calls for other guys to step up and be aggressive. You know, Isaiah Joe coming in the game, making big plays in the first half for us. Those are those are things that don't go uncounted for. So all those things just help us out as a whole. And that's that's what the greatest teams do. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what they do, man. They 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 step it up. Uh, they fill in the gaps. Uh, they do what needs to be done, and then when everything's back full force, uh, you can you know. Dominate. You can just let it, let it happen. Yeah, and, and I mean, you just trust your training and all that. Um, and your cookies. And your cookies. <laughs> hey, I, you know, and, and honestly, like, and I'm a season ticket holder, and you know, I follow the NBA, but I just, I guess, I don't follow the West Coast as, as much I, as I follow the East Coast. I had no idea how good of a team Memphis was. I mean, I know that they have Jay, yeah. but uh, and he's a fun player to watch and and you obviously you're you're laser focused during the game but do you ever just sit back as you're you know playing against an opponent and go damn that guy's good yeah uh you know you hear about the season season he's been having all year and then you know when we were out there playing i was like wow like this kid is this kid is really good i mean you you see all the stuff we you know i watch a bunch of new games so I've, I've watched them a bunch of times but yesterday up up front like the way that he can get the spots on the floor and the way that he can finish, it, it's pretty spectacular. Like he's floating in the air at times. <laughs> and the only other person that I've seen that from was like similar to was a guy like with Derek Rose. And uh, the, the athletic ability that he has mm. is comparable to that for sure. I mean, mm. we're really lucky to live in, in these times, Tobias, because we have athletes like Tom Brady and LeBron James and, you know, really, like, 
the actual goats. You know, these guys that are just the most incredible athletes to ever play the sport. And you're you're playing with one. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're a great athlete. And then you're playing with a guy like Joel Embiid, who is a perennial MVP. And I, I don't know if you get tired of talking about uh, how great he is, but he just he's coming off such an awesome month. Uh, and, you know, from your perspective, what is it like playing with a guy like Joel, who can be as dominant as, he, as he's been lately? It's great. I mean, he's just, uh, like like you said, he's extremely dominant as a player. Um, you just see the evolution of his game. I mean, last year, he, he, you know, it's hard to say he's playing, like, so much better than last year because last year he was at that level as well. But the continued progression uh, of dominance you're seeing from the start of last year even into now it's it's spectacular for what he's doing on the floor, how he's doing it. And, um, you know, I, I always say this, but you, you see the fear in the defender's eyes when they have to guard him. Like, you really do. And he's embracing it, man. Like, in my opinion, it's the MVP. So we, we just got to keep winning games and doing what we need to do as a team to uh, further further that notion so everybody around the world knows. What flavor cookie would you say Joel is on the team? Oh man, that that's a tough one. I can't. Well, that's that's a special cookie. Like you gotta make a cookie and have three letters on it. And, you know? I tell you, I saw. My, I saw uh, I'm sorry. On the on the website, I, I saw of, of the Crumble website. I saw there was a little video of the uh, what was that? The banana cream. Ooh, yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Have you had that's, that one? I haven't had I haven't had this week's cookie. Okay, but, uh, <laughs> that, that's the banana cream pie with like the, the vanilla wafer on top. Yes, yeah, that, I've heard that's I've heard that's the one that's so, and so- the ruby chocolate chip. Okay, okay, that's the one I want to have because oh, listen, and the, the Oreo one looks good. I've not had them yet, so and, and I will be taking a foray in, into yes. into this realm. One thing I wanted to add also about the way you guys are playing and, and the way the team is, uh, you, you you guys are all very personable, and you know anyone we encounter, a, a genuine zeal and love of the sport, and as as people you know in the city. That's such a good place to be at to have you know because obviously you can have talent and have someone. Who's you know reprehensible or a little bit you know just not fan friendly and and you you guys are are are, are playing at the top of your games and um, are, are still reaching out and making damn cookies for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome. That's yeah, nice. It's yeah. nice. Thank you. And, you know we, that, that, that's part of it. I think that's part of like the whole uh, experience of, of being a uh, a fan, but at the same time supporting your team, supporting your city support uh all things that are going on because at the end of the day we also know like it's bigger than basketball uh guys are human at the same time so we, we just treat treat each other uh all around that same type of way with that with that same love and you know it goes a long way I love, it. I love it listen tobias all right man continued success uh thanks for all the excitement on the court thanks for all the yummy stuff and being the ambassador <laughs> for the crumbles yeah. cookies and uh hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime soon all right man all right, you know it. Y'all yeah, have a great day. You too. Thank you. All right. Tobias Harris, man. Wow. It's so uh, funny. We could talk to him about cookies and basketball all day. <laughs> and go back and forth right? between it all. Yeah. It's funny how often we do end up. Listen, food is something that just. And people, they love it. it, it, it and one Good level, food. Yes. You know, it's. Garbage food. It's fun junk to talk food. About. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. We'll be back in a moment. Stay with us. <laughs> Wait, what's they? 
Where was that place, Preston and Steve said that guy did that thing that one time? Uh, don't bother your friends. If you missed something on the Preston and Steve show, the daily podcast and the YouTube stream are posted on PrestonandSteve.com every day after the show for just such occasions. It's always there and always free. That is until the internet breaks in and we've got bigger problems. Here we go. Let's get the boys underway. Now, live from somewhere in America, let's check in on Casey's Big Adventure on the President Steve Show on MMR. All right, the fellas took out a big chunk of the country last night. They rolled into St. Louis, Missouri around 10 o'clock our time after leaving here around 7.30 a.m., about 24 hours ago. 827 miles they traveled yesterday. They put it in, um, uh, and of course they logged the whole thing on social media, and we have all all that available on PrestonSteve.com. So today... We have them set to hand a, a, handle a few different missions in my old hometown. And this was Casey's idea. He wanted to do some things. I, I confessed something to you guys recently Yes, that I wanted to kind of make good on. And Casey's like, that's perfect. We'll do that while we're there. All right. So we now go live to Parkway Central High School to check in with Casey and the fellas. Guys, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, we can see you guys via Zoom, and I can tell you're already in the band wing, in the music wing of Parkway Central High School. Yeah, all your all your fellow bandmates here, here, press. Say hi, guys. Say hi. Here we go. Yeah, we're in, we're in your 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 old band room. Although uh, the the band instructor says is probably not the same that that you might remember when you graduated. Yeah, or how many years ago? But he did say. That uh, that this thing right here, yes, I did. Was definitely there, Casey. As as we were looking at this, I told uh-huh. to Marissa, I'm like, look at that bass drum. I'll bet you that's the same one oh that I God, used serious? to I used to bang on because those things last forever. That is the. I'll bet that's the same head that was on that thing, uh, oh. 35 years ago or however long ago I I graduated. Well, we can find out if you want to talk to the band instructor. He can let you know everything that you need to know uh, about that particular drum and, and everything else that's going on in this room. All yeah. right. Yeah, let's meet him. Oh, well, this is Doug Hoover. Press. He's the guy who took over after... <gasps> Mr. Guess, Becker! <laughs> you came in... Mr. Hoover, you came in right after Chris Becker, right? I did. I uh, came the year... After you, or the fall after you graduated. Yes. I heard all about you. Oh, stop it. <laughs> no, no, I swear to God. Preston, you're like a legend here. I swear to God. I was talking to the principal's uh, secretary, this uh, Ann Wills is her name. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my God. They were going on and on about Preston. Like, Preston downplays how good of a drummer he is. And it's because you listen to and you idolize, like, Neil Peart. Like, of course you, like, you know, like, how do you compare to Neil Peart press? Like, apparently, like, you are. People still talk about you in the, in the halls of this school. <laughs> He's nodding. You're, the instructors, you, you're here to verify that, Mr. Hoover? A hundred percent. When I got here, I know there are some, uh, one of the rock and roll radio station decals stuck on walls <laughs> around here that were probably stuck by Preston. <laughs> really? And then he was a rush. Look at the rush shirt on now. Yeah. So, during, during COVID, he doesn't know what to do, so he, he puts YouTube videos of him playing rush tunes on YouTube. Yeah. Yes, I know uh, Linda Presgrave was the orchestra director here. Man. And I worked with her, and she she talked. You are legendary. Oh, yeah. man. 
Mrs. Pressgrave was was great. I, a good good friend of mine. Mick, yeah. Uh, I, and Chris talked about you as well. No way. So here, let me give you, I have a memory of, of Mr. Hoover. Do you? Um, and, and like he said, I think I went back um, after I had graduated and I went to watch a performance and you actually played, and I'll never forget this, it was a piece of music called uh, The Nervous Percussionist, I think is what it was called. And you had to play like 10 different percussion parts. Uh, you, had sit, you had sat in as a musician. Do you remember that at all? That was your first year there. <laughs> There's a lot about my first year I made. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Mrs. Pressgrave, Linda, uh, she would, she would, had uh, directed. I remember that. Okay, wow, that's crazy, man. I, and hey, kudos to you for still holding that position and being there. That's awesome. You know, they haven't figured out what I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fact that you've been, that he's been a part of uh, the musical. I mean, Preston, you cherish Listen, what you learned at that school. I I lived in that wing of the school. My senior year. Listen to what. It, l- listen to my my <laughs> classes. I took symphonic band, symphonic orchestra, jazz lab, and music theory. Four of my <laughs> like seven hours of the day were taken up by by music classes, and I. I just, I lived down there, and it was just, it's such a special part uh, of the building to me. Who's this? Well, this is Mr. Chris Becker, who came out this morning to say, Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Mr. Becker. Holy hell. I never got a chance to tell you how annoying it was to have you. Is he retired? Did he move on? I don't know, Mr. Becker. What get you... rid of the guy, man. <laughs> How are you, uh, dude? I'm I'm doing great, Mr. Becker. I, uh, I I'm I'm filled with emotion right now. I, I'm 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 blown away. I, I we we spent so much time together, and it was it was all very very special to me. And yes, I know I was a pain in the ass. I absolutely. <laughs> You were totally. I, I know. Totally. I know. And you know what? You know what I've told the story of many times here, Mr. Becker. I actually wish that that Linda Pressgrave was there because I told you guys this. We took a we took a, an orchestra trip oh, uh, yes. to to Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, and we were getting a picture taken of the entire orchestra. And yeah. I did. And, and you're going to love this, Mr. Becker. I did this in the picture. The tongue between the fingers. So I, yeah. I stuck my fingers up and yeah. I stuck my tongue between it. And they took another picture. I did it twice. She was so pissed off at me. Sadly, <laughs> we took that picture down and burned it. We couldn't use it. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. We I, couldn't let anybody see that. I, I also have, you know what? Um, uh, a very important moment in history uh, took place uh, with you, Mr. Becker. You won't remember this, but it was the day that the... Um, uh, the space shuttle uh, exploded. Yeah. Yes. Um, and yes. you you broke that news to us. You said, hey, guys, this happened. We're like, mm. no, it didn't. And you're like, yes, it did. It happened today. And yeah. I'll, I'll never forget that because you were the person that shared that information with me. It was, yeah, that was a pretty crazy day. And yeah. it, it's only rivaled by 9-11. That, yeah. same, that same morning, because I remember those days so vividly, like yesterday. Yeah. So, Preston, I want to I want to bring you up today with a guy named Dave Gant. Do you remember Dave Gant? I know that name. It's Tuba player, okay. tuba player. Yeah. So I went to I went to Dave Cannon's retirement party at the end of June. You yeah. Remember Dave Cannon? He played guitar. Yeah. He was a good I, guitarist. Vaguely. Yeah, I yeah. do remember. Dude, yeah. I, I'm like, why are you retiring? You're not old enough to retire. What's going on here? And and so this guy's walking around this this little little pub we're in, and he's serving drinks. He's giving out drink tickets. 
And then Cannon goes, Dave, that's Mr. Becker. And Gant stopped what he was doing. He uh, Gant owns the place now. Oh. And he stopped what he was doing and go, Mr. Becker, what are you doing here? You should be old like now. <laughs> no, man. No, stop. That's not going to happen. Oh. Well, how, how old were you when you were teaching Preston? Yeah. You, you, you're very... You're very young. I was I was twelve. And, uh, no, it was it's 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 uh it's thankfully a, a you know a set of genes. That's all it is. So I've I've been retired now actually from Parkway for the uh, last five years, Preston. Okay. So it's uh, it's been a while, but Doug and I remain really good friends. I kind of keep up with what's going on. That's great. And love being around the kids still. All right. Are you so one of the memories I was going to share with you? Yeah. Do you remember our long talks on the bus rides about? The early Letterman shows. You and I got into those Letterman shows in a big way. Yeah. Do you recall that at all? Yeah, I remember that. I don't remember the specific discussions, but I absolutely remember talking about that with you. Yes. Because we love that quirky humor that yep. he had, you know, and the way he just kind of, he kind of dealt with everybody and razzed everybody. And it was so cool because, you know, you, you had, you know, you could remember those, those monologues and stuff that he had. Right. And it was so funny. Uh, to write it, it made those those trips kind of interesting, kind of well, fun. Well, it was actually yeah, Letterman yeah. that taught him to do the tongue between the fingers thing. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's who you can you blame. Um, yeah, we you know what we we had a number of really really good musicians in that group. Uh, uh, Mr. Becker, like uh, Dave Perkel, went on to uh, be a professional musician with the. Um, he was a Navy musician. Navy musician yep. at Annapolis uh, uh, um, um, Orchestra, and uh, Carol Tafoya, who was in. Uh, our orchestra class ended up going on to being in like uh, I forgot the name. It was like it's like the National Orchestra or something like that. No, it is National Symphony. She yeah. was a member of the National Symphony in D.C. Yeah. yeah. What the hell happened to you? I've retired from the Navy. I've I heard him play a few years ago. Yeah, and uh, there were some fabulous guys. Yeah, uh, Mark Niemer uh, was an amazing drummer, incredible drummer. Yeah. Went on to be a session guy in uh, in Nashville. Right, right. And, and so I've I've kind of watched people from afar a little bit, but it was. God, it was so much good time, and and Mr. Becker was cool enough to us drummers. We were yeah. like the we were the I don't know what our story was, but we had our own <laughs> private little practice room yeah. that we could go sneak off into while everybody else had to be stuck in the band room. Mr. Hoover just said that still happens. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> yeah, it was. Um, well, when you guys talk about your your successes as teachers. Um, I, I assume Preston's name does not come up, right? Because, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. The number one radio show in Philadelphia. That, that would come up. That, that's that's right. Right. There that's we right. go. And plus, plus, he's a drummer. I talk about all the drummers from Parkway Central all the time. Well, they're between, all over the right. world. Well, the what, guys. what yeah, you need to know is that. Guys from South that have done he he does his best on yeah. air all the time to promote uh, uh, drumming and musician uh, taking uh, uh, classes and getting uh, involved in music. So he's a big proponent of what you guys taught him. I keep my sticks right here next to me, by the Very way. Nice. So I can That's that. really awesome. I, I got to throw one more name out, Preston. <laughs> yes. Mike Bounds. Does Mike Bounds mean anything? Absolutely. To you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Believe it or not, I saw him last night at a rehearsal, and Mike is expecting his first grandchild, and I go, what the hell, man? You can't be old enough to be having grandchildren. This is, it's, it's troubling to hear stuff like that. It's it troubling. Is. It is very troubling. So he was talking about an old friend of ours, uh, Mr. Berg. Do you remember Mr. Berg? I absolutely remember Mr. Berg. He was at the junior high. That's where I got started in band. Yes, absolutely. And a little quirky, kind of a quirky yep. guy. but. Yep. 
you know, he was he was really into it. Now, is there is there something we need to make good on? There is something is we need to make good on. So this was, uh, uh, Mr. Becker, this would have been um, probably 1982, so 40 years oh ago. Gosh. And I was in Mr. Only 40 years. I was in Mr. Berg's class, obviously, for, you know, beginning band and all that. And for some reason or another... Uh, he got this new set of claves, and I thought they were really cool. Claves are? Uh, so it's a Latin instrument. They're, yeah. they're essentially two pieces of wood, or now they make them out of different uh, you know, polyurethanes right. and things like that. And a uh, very recognizable instrument. You can hear them. They just make this clicking sound. Yeah. Um, and Casey's got there. Now you're not playing it correctly, Casey. <laughs> Mr. Becker can show you how to do it. You showed me how to play it. You, gotta, you have to cup your hand. Uh, what the, do you think the, I'm doing? I'm cupping. Okay. All right. He's cupping. All right. So go ahead, play the. Yeah, there you go, Casey. Play him. <laughs> yeah. All right. There you go. So I I lifted those. I I stole them and oh, yes, I'm shattered. <laughs> <laughs> and I I have always felt not always like maybe 15 years later I started to feel guilty. <laughs> For and, 15 years you were on the lamb and I've still I've still had them and you know what I never used them one time to play with any musicians. <laughs> And that is a travesty when a musical instrument sits in a box somewhere and never gets used by a mission uh, a musician, then there is something <laughs> fundamentally wrong with that. And so uh, I, I told you guys like a few weeks ago, I'm like, you know what I'd like to do next time I take a trip back to St. Louis, which I don't come back very often, Mr. Becker, because I really don't have any family uh, that lives there any longer. My, right, my, my right. wife's family lives in, in Crystal City, so I get back on rare occasions. But anyhow... Right. Um, I felt I, I, I would like to return them. I thought about mailing them or maybe bringing them back. And then when Casey was playing this trip, he's like, dude, I'll take those back for you. Absolutely. And he's done that. So he has brought them with him, and they have come back home. Yeah. Preston? Yeah. Yes, sir. You know, now Mike Downs, last night, he told me that he had spoken at, he was the student speaker at Mr. Berg's retirement. And he said, Mr. Berg, was so happy. He was he was so happy about his career and the trajectory that his career had taken except for one thing. <laughs> and that was <laughs> there were clave that he never could find. Never could find his clave. But I think Mike was good enough. He talked him through it and it all went well. Oh but that's wonderful. This is really gonna this is kind of closes the circle. We've gone, gone full circle now. Now, I have a question. Is Mr. Berg still with us? Because he was already older when I was a kid, you know? Doug and I were trying to figure that out. We don't know. We've lost okay. track of Mr. Berg. Okay. Yeah, yeah cause maybe that's, he's, that's gotcha. maybe he's gone good. off the grid because of the claves, Preston. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Mr. Becker, do you still play your trumpet from time to time? I do. In fact, uh, Mr. Hoover and I get together quite often at his church. We have kind of an unusual gig. Uh, recently, what we've been doing is we've been playing memorial services. So uh, oh. this summer we had a couple of couple of folks at this at the church where Doug is uh, is real involved, and they passed away. So the families wanted a little band to play at the at the service and then follow up with some music afterwards. And so we're thinking we got a good a good thing going here. We may start checking the obituaries and seeing. If <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Come up with, come up with a few gigs. Oh, Just give a call. 
Oh my god! I can see why you great. loved him, uh, President. Mr. Becker, my name's Nick. I'm, I'm on the show with these guys, and, and my mom was a teacher. And I wanted to ask you a question about former students because my mom always told me when she would hear from former students what what she meant to them, it always warmed her heart. And it's got to be cool for you to reconnect with Preston because this is a guy who has talked about you lovingly and and has admired you for a long time. And yes, this is a little bit of a stunt, but it's also something that means a lot to Preston. And I'm sure when you hear from former students, uh, it makes it. it makes you feel special it makes it very very special and you know i haven't been able to leave i have not been able to get away from from being involved with kids and being involved with bands for that very reason it's very special so another instance is uh i got an email a while back this is probably a year ago from a guy named rich braun so richie was a pretty good trumpet player but he overplayed a lot he overworked it i gave him some lessons tried to get him to, to rein it in and he was writing me and saying Mr. Becker, I'm, I'm so sorry that I overplayed. I was trying to sound like Maynard Ferguson, and that wasn't possible. And I said, that's, you know, I, I emailed him back. That's fine. I, I have, have fond memories of working with you. He signed the email, Captain Rich Braun, Southwest Airlines, 36 years. And I'm going, oh, no. You're letting Ricky Braun fly airplanes? <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Oh, that That's is funny. Just, that is classic. <laughs> wow. Uh well I, I was not expecting this at all. This is just this has made my day. Awesome. I'm I'm hey, so listen. happy. Can we get something played in that in this room full of instruments? Can somebody grab well, some case? So we have um the, the band's lined up out back and um and we have a we have a set of signature Preston Elliott drumsticks that I think we're going to um we're gonna gift to the the drum leader, ah, um, and then maybe he can play the cadence with those Preston Elliott signature drumsticks. Oh wow! Uh, I, wonder we do that, I wonder if there's do that. I wonder if you're still playing those same cadences, man. Because uh, uh, I, well, I I we'll remember one of them. Okay, yeah, all right, yeah, we'll find out. But uh, as you were talking to Mr. Becker, I, I ducked into one of the closets over here, Preston, and I, I came across this old picture. Oh my! I don't God. know if. Uh, oh my! Oh, God. Hold it up! Hold yeah, it up! Whoa. I already recognize right. that. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm the tall one wait, in the wait, middle. Wait, wait, wait! Where's the Preston's right here. That's Preston. Yeah, and the, to my to the left there is Keith Rohde. Oh, yeah, um, Jesus! Wow. Uh, I, I yeah, I see Matt Steinhaus, and it looks uh, like a picture from the Sandlot. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's Mark. But then Preston, I yeah. also came across on the back of this. It was the it's the scrapbook okay. from your your entire senior year. Okay. Uh, it literally it's. It, it says Parkway Central's 85, 86 bands. Oh, look at that. Oh, wow. That is wild. Wait, my, cool. my scrapbook? It, it's, well, it's from the band. But oh, press, okay. wait, there, there aren't many scrapbooks in this uh, thing. Like It was like the scrapbook from like 1998, 1993. And then for some reason, <gasps> your scrapbook from your senior year. You probably oh, stole that as well. Band. Yeah. yeah. Two, <laughs> two tickets from your spring concert, uh, May, what was this, May 13th, 1986. This is probably your last spring concert as a... Uh, as a drummer, wow! These tickets were one dollar. <laughs> so, Casey, can you continue the tradition and steal those as well? Yes. <laughs> I figure what what we did here is we returned something, and then we'll take something else. Right. Wow. That is the code of the felon. Return these tickets. <laughs> yes. Hey, I want I want to mention something to Mr. Becker again, real quick. Um, oh, here you go. Because I'm remembering all this stuff now, uh, Mr. Yeah. Becker. Do you remember when the the movie Whiplash came out not that long ago? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they yeah. played Caravan, and I'm like, 
We played that in marching band. We played caravan. We played yes, caravan and all night long from Lionel Richie. Really? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, Very it was similar. Awesome. Very yeah. similar. I know all these <laughs> all these years, you know, melt into one another because you had, you know, a long career. But I, I remember that vividly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are... I actually measure my career by what shows we did, what what the marching band shows were. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that show. I remember that. Because it's always yeah. tying into the, the pop culture of the time, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And, and you can identify real readily with where you traveled with the band and who was in the band at that time. And that's kind of how you market. If you're in the classroom all the time, you don't have that same opportunity. Hey, right. So we're going to get some music case. Yeah, as a matter of fact, Mr. Hoover's chomping at the bit to get out here. Okay, let's do it. These guys, I don't want to hold these them guys up. have been lined up for you know a good ten minutes or so. So we're uh, we're now walking out. So <laughs> <laughs> they're yelling, but uh, Case. By the way, when when you yell, just to let you know, it kind of uh, it kills the audio. Uh, oh, to give you a heads up bad. on that, nah, yeah. no problem. I like the yelling early in the morning. Okay, so I'm gonna have to walk up. We're watching the video. I know exactly where he is. We used to walk out that door and line up for marching band all the time. Yep. Oh, my God. That's crazy. They got the band out there, Preston. The whole band is out there. The whole marching band is out there. Oh, my God. Wow, this is cool. Oh, wow. Jeez. There's like No wonder why they were just telling us to hurry. Can you I, I, no, like I, I feel like I'm gonna cry. Like I'm so like nostalgic for it. Yeah, that was so cool. I can't believe you got Mr. Becker there. I was not <laughs> expecting that at all. Uh, this is really awesome. Uh, hang on, I got Jackie on the phone. Jackie, are you there? Preston, oh the memories, oh these pictures, <laughs> baby mullet. I am loving these stories. Um, thank you, Jackie. Um, so cool. It's just great. Uh, that was really super special, man. And uh, and and I feel so much better now that the claves have been returned. The musical instrument I stole from my high school mm-hmm. back in 1982 has been returned home. And uh, a, a wave of guilt well, has taken well, off of me. You know, Jackie, a lot of people, I, are, I mean, people obviously you have your, your, your vampires and everything, but you're an accomplished musician yourself. Is it pretty cool to see all these uh, these these uh, kids with the uh, the instruments and embracing music? I was talking to the teachers. I can't believe they start band before school. So it's not after school like when I would be doing or Prespa would be doing it. It's before school. So these kids are half awake. And then we were talking about stealing instruments. I saw that big kick drum. Well, what do you call that, Press? The uh, walking, what do you call that? The bass drum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was telling them, you know, you stole something. Steven Tyler actually stole that drum on his side. Really? He in living on the edge. He brought a pack too into that video. I was telling the kids that. I didn't That's know that. Cool. That's, That's cool. Excellent. All right, Jack. I'm going to switch yeah. back over to Casey and uh, check him with him. Uh, so yeah, press. Yeah, I'm, I'm hanging with your best friend. That's uh, where'd you go, Steve? He's right behind you. What's up, Steve? So he's walking me over to the smoking lounge. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So he, right around the corner here anymore. 
I know, I know. They, they it's but, just but, windows. But that it's area is... Windows. Yeah, there used to be windows you could see out into the smoking lounge, but that's where, in between classes... If you were close enough, you could duck out and have a smoke real quick. A student. All the trucks are, everything. You pick the table set up. You come out here, you you buy a pen or two in the bathroom, you come out, pump it down a little bit. (laughs) A pen or two. (laughs) That's a very skinny joint for those who don't know what a pen is. So Uh, this this right here, Press, this is the the lounge? Yeah, Steve, Steve, tell them the nickname. Uh, 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 scrounge lounge. Yep, that's what we called it, the scrounge. Were you able to? Uh, now, did they have a bar out there? And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but I, cocktails, service. you know, bloody marys after first hour. Stuff yeah, like I was telling these guys you had to, you kind of had to watch your p's and q's when you were out in the scrounge because the the badasses were hanging out there, and if you stepped out of line, you could get your ass kicked in the scrounge. Yeah. Colorado boots and jean jackets would come after you in a heartbeat. <laughs> yep. you didn't want that. It sounded like that. a it sounded like a prison uh, a prison yard. Yeah. So yeah, you get shanked out here in a yeah. heartbeat. <laughs> you went the wrong way. It was over. You're going home in a bag. We actually had a smoking area too. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, and yeah, case and yeah. The, so did we. Yeah. It, it had to be so it was for right, students. It yeah. was for students, and okay. it was but it wasn't like sanctioned by the school. You had to be off school property, so they would go to the sidewalk uh, that lined the street right. and stand okay. there, smoke, and then come back to school. But like they didn't do the school didn't do anything about it. They let yeah. them do it. This was this was school property, and a teacher was usually kind of wandering around out there just to make sure monitoring the yeah. smokers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we didn't have an official smoking lounge, but I smoked every single day in the bathroom right before. Uh, now, Casey, at your high school, you said you had a champagne room. <laughs> <laughs> that took balls to smoke inside the bathroom, man. That's That was pretty risky. All right, well, listen, Case, this has been amazing. This is uh, uh, so much fun. I can't believe you got Mr. Bat. But it's not over. I know. You have this a, is, another tour. This is stop number one, okay? So we're doing a tour of, of my area this morning as Casey is in St. Louis on his big adventure. I mean, he killed this one. So he dropped off. I the... am so nervous about stop number two, Preston. <laughs> I know. So so uh, give me the, uh, the the Mission Impossible theme because that's what we're going to be doing. So the next one, the next thing he has to do. So I gave Casey the claves to return uh, to uh, the, the band at uh, Parkway Central High School. Next, he has to go by my old house that I grew up in. We actually had that house built in 1980, so we were the first owners of that house, my family and I. <clears throat> and I have given Casey a couple of items that he has to try to get into my old bedroom, all right? I don't know the people who live there. I have no idea who they are. I don't know how long they've owned that house or anything, but Casey's going to cold call on them. How are the police in this area? Are they fairly understanding? I don't think so. Okay. Well, he's not going to break in. No, no, no. I was actually thinking, though, like, I don't think I could do this. I know, I know. Like, especially if they're, because if they're not willing at the beginning... Would you just walk away? Or I think he's going to need a little, like, convincing. Have I don't Jackie know I come it. up. Oh, my God. Yeah, have Jackie yeah. broker no, that one. You Jackie in the car. Just bring a clipboard. That gets yeah. you anywhere. Have Jackie sit in the car and say, I brought my grandmother with me. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted me. I'll put me. Jackie in the front seat of the car. And if they don't, if they don't let me in, I'll go, do you really want me to get this guy out of the car? <laughs> We're going to hit the road so we can get to the yards before the show's over. Yeah, but let's do that. I All right. tell you guys, we went, we went to Duncan. 
And Jackie Bam Bam, he ordered, he wanted the green machacho. <laughs> Macchiato? And he called it machacho? The green machacho. <laughs> He's like the green thing. Uh, Give me a green machacho. Oh, he's so lovable. Great. He's great. He's, so he's in the back laughing. Oh, my God. You guys get on your way. All right, later, dudes. Bye-bye. Right. See you, man. All right, so they're on to their next mission. We'll be back in just a moment. Love Preston and Steve and WMMR? Check out WMMR.com for more of everything that rocks. Celebrate the coziest season with Acme. They're bringing all the fall flavors to you. From pumpkin everything to caramel apples and all your seasonal favorites. Make the most of fireside dinners, game-winning touchdowns, and warm family gatherings. Acme's here to help you spice, season, and savor every moment. You'll find fresh inspiration, chef-curated recipes, on-demand cooking classes, and more just waiting to be enjoyed. So slow down and fall into flavor at acmemarkets.com slash fall. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. We're excited to have our next guests in the studio this morning. It will be its 30 years uh, that the album World of Noise came out. <laughs> uh, and they're celebrating uh, this today with uh, performing at uh, the Keswick Theater, along with uh, the band uh, Fastball and the Nixons. And we would like to welcome Everclear yeah! to the studio this morning. We have Art and uh, Davey and Freddie and Brian, who are all here this morning. Thank you guys for being here. You didn't even have to look at the cheat sheet too much. So good. Just a little bit. I had a glance. <laughs> Gotta be. I've, I've, I've a, a track record of getting people's names wrong. So I yeah. never, dude. Yeah, as long as you spell them right on the check, that's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> We're really extra pleased because you're performing tonight and you're here this morning. That's, that's a big, uh, big uh, thing to ask of you guys. But you came in and you were punctual. Which we appreciate as well. Well, so. we didn't have a choice. You, you sent your drivers to come get us. <laughs> yeah. They're a little rough around the edges. Oh, were they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but we, but we kind of like that stuff. So that's okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, we were when we when uh, management asked me if I wanted to come in. I was like, absolutely. I, you know, MMR has been a part of Everclear since basically. You know, Santa Monica. Yeah. yeah. And uh, even Heroin Girl, I think, yeah. might have played. Yeah. And uh, so since 95. So I am very, very uh, honored. And we're, we all are that you asked us to come in. And, well, thank you. And just respectful of the relationship over all these years. It, well, do, it yeah. does feel like a, like a friendship over the years. You know, we, though you, you've done various gigs. We were at another station prior to MMR, Y100, and, and here as well. And um, it wasn't uh, the same family, though, right? Yeah, yeah rock. Yeah, basically, right. Uh, but the, 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 you know, it's good also to see where you are in particular, art in in your life, and and uh, uh, you know, it's uh, there was a point at which I said I really like listening to what you have to say. You're with age; it, it does happen. I'm in your ballpark age wise, and and uh, you, you do start to put things together, and you have such a wonderful take. And a lot of it has been born out of. You know, trials and tribulations of, yeah. of, and in fact, there's a wonderful documentary that's out uh, about you guys. Um, and uh, and it seems like you all are in a good place. It seems this is the sweet spot that a lot of times maybe you don't consider at the beginning of a career, but that when you get to, you're able to be yourselves 
and just enjoy it. Is is that a correct assessment of where you are? I think that's a great assessment of where uh, I am, and I think us as a band, you know, I mean, when we really just started thinking about that this has been 30 years since I started the band, you know, and it was the same year that my eldest daughter was born, and I moved to Portland, and it was rough, and I had no idea what was going to happen? We were trying to slug it out in the clubs. Just another band, and we got a chance to record for 400 bucks in trade, and we <laughs> recorded every song we had. And I didn't tell the band at the time, there was other guys, I didn't tell them that uh, I basically wanted to see if I wanted to keep doing the band. Wow. I to see if there was anything in the, you know, if there was any magic in the music, and there was. And I sent it out to people, and people started writing about it, and we got gigs, and we got accepted South by Southwest. So... Uh, earlier this year, me and Freddie, Freddie Herrera, my bass player here, we, we found the uh, actual mixtapes. I thought they were gone. Oh, wow. I thought they were gone. They had been traveling with me f for moves. You know, I've moved 20 times in the last 20 yeah. years. They were at the bottom of very dirty boxes. <laughs> <laughs> Sonically, they, they, they're, they're, they held up, though? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. We went into this with this guy who is an archivist, and he had to bake the tapes and clean them. But we put them up against the... Uh, the time in 94 when I licensed it to Capitol, when we signed to Capitol, and they mastered it, and they did it without me. And it was almost a lawsuit because they weren't supposed to do that. And it was really high-endy, but finally I just let it go and, and thin and brittle, and we A-beat it versus what we have now, and it just sounds familiar. That's amazing. All right, I wanted to ask you, you know, with 30 years ago, 92, um, a, a, a transition happened in, in rock-based music, and, you know, Nirvana led the way, and, and that Seattle sound hit, and a whole floodgate of bands just uh, fell upon us as, as, uh, as music consumers, as listeners, as music fans, and so on. Um, it seemed, from that perspective, like everybody was getting signed to a record label deal. The reality of it was, you know, a, a bunch of bands did get in, but there are a lot of people who didn't. So, you you know, it wasn't like you know, all of a sudden you make a band and, and you hit. You know, you, you had to have the real deal. You had to back it up. But what were those, what were those early days like when that... Uh, when this whole new rush of music started getting the uh, the exposure that it did. Well, you know, it's it's really funny because uh, before 92 and 91, I was living in San Francisco and I had a record label and it was more alternative country based. But my band, Color Fingers, stupid name, good band, um, <laughs> had, um, you know, I did my first album where I wrote everything and produced everything. And, you know, it was my first time doing that. And... It was way more in that alternative, like, world, like the replacements and Who's Do and stuff like that and mm -hmm. Pixies. And and um, a friend of mine uh, was in Europe when uh, Nirvana broke. And he's like, wow, that kind of sounds like my friend Art's band <laughs> a little bit. And I'm like, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> but Nirvana did. They opened the door for everybody in 19, late 1991. And... Um, a lot of good, a lot of bad. Yeah. But uh, but for us, I moved to Portland because my girlfriend was from Portland and she was pregnant. And we moved up there. My, plus, she had family there. My oldest sister was living there, so I had family there. And it just made sense. Okay. Uh, and plus, trying to trying to raise a kid in San Francisco with no money. Yeah. It's difficult. It's one of the most expensive cities yep. in the world. I 
But Portland was just great, but it was hard because we were the people from California and the locals didn't like that. So we had a hard time getting gigs. But then after World of Noise and I sent it out, people just started writing about it. And even though the local hipsters didn't dig it, people started booking us. We started opening for national bands. We started doing regional tours and local tours. And, and a year later, in 94, we got signed to Capitol. I was watching footage of Dave Grohl. It's the earliest days of the Foo Fighters, and you guys were on tour with well, that. Actually, no. We were playing a show in at the uh, Roseland Theater. The was that Roseland in New, York, in New York City. That's not there anymore. The, yeah. you know, the ballroom, Roseland Ballroom. And we were playing with them. And if you watch the whole scene, if you watch the whole scene, they're they're asking him. I think Kurt Loder's going. So a lot of people say this band is kind of Everclear is kind of ripping off your old band Nirvana. He goes, I don't think they sound like Nirvana. <laughs> Bush sounds like Nirvana. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a funny clip because everyone looks like they're nine years old. I know. Yeah. I but know. you know what's amazing too, and I didn't realize this, but um, you guys hit. You were thirty three. Right when the, when the band really clicked in fully, yeah, and, and they wanted you, they wanted to play you younger, and you said, "I can't do that." Like they wanted you to lie about your age. Well, well, you know, because um, everyone so at that time I, seemed like they were we, in their we, early twenties. You know, well, when I, absolutely. When yeah. I signed, I was thirty-two. Yeah, they capital. After I signed a contract that said I had full con- control over everything. Everything. They were like, no, we're going to tell everybody you're 24. And I'm like, no. No. You know, and I said it in other words that I can't use on the radio. But I basically said, look, man, I don't need your help to make me look like a jerk. I didn't say jerk. And I I can do that all on my own. Trust me, ask any of my ex-wives. They'll tell you. But you know what? Because you hit and because of that, I think, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems as if, because you just started bam, 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 bam. Almost like you were driven by this this sense of urgency, like uh, sobriety. Sobriety. Mm. But you were, yeah, Mm. tearing, tearing out, like out of the gate. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people were like, God, you had like overnight success. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) man, I've been playing in bands since I was 16. We've all been playing in bands since we're like 16. Yeah. You know, there's no overnight success. We every band built up and built up and built up to the point that. You know, we're at the right place at the right time. Right. Erica is playing at uh, the Keswick Theater tonight. We're going to, we're going to, uh, and, and Art uh, said we can get three songs this morning. So awesome. let's chat and play and chat and play if that's cool. Absolutely. All right. What song are we going to start off we're with? We're going to start with I Will Buy a New Life. Outstanding. Uh-huh. All right. This is Everclear on MMR. Yeah, so you can pay the bills. I'll give you some more when I get paid again. Hate those people who love to tell you money is a rule to bother the kill. They have never been poor, never known the joy of a welfare Christmas.
Yeah, that 12 string sounds great, man. Thanks, man. Beautiful instrument. Yeah. Your album's 30 years old. Uh, yeah. came out in 92, and there's a there's a track on the album called Pennsylvania Is. Yes. Uh, can I ask you about that song? Sure. Uh, so what's about that song? <laughs> <laughs> um, at the time, back in 1992, um, here in Pennsylvania, you guys had, was it Bob Casey? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Bob Casey was the guy's dad, right? Yeah. And he was a Democrat, but he was a he was a pro life Democrat. He was a, a anti abortion Democrat because he's very Catholic. And the laws here were very, very, very stringent and that was a big thing that was going on with Operation Rescue and people like the the guy who owns the Detroit Tigers and Domino Pizza that's openly giving money to this the, these people called Operation Rescue that was bombing abortion clinics Ooh. all over the place, including in Pennsylvania. And that's what the song was about. There we go. You always, uh, you know, you always write what you're passionate about, uh, and you, and you take a lot from your your personal life, and that's been very. You've, you've been well, you know. There's some songs like Father of Mine and, and I'll Buy You Life, and these these things are very very open, um, therapeutic. I assume for a uh, for a songwriter to do things like that. I think so. I think from a point of cathar- catharsis, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I guess you're right. I do it because 
I just I just find when people write about Dungeons and Dragons and crap like that, <laughs> it's just disingenuous. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. I know what I'm talking about with this. I talk about I, I talk about my kids because being a parent is is one of the you know big things in my life. Have you have you ever written something down and gone? Okay, that's I've opened up a bit too much here. That might not that might be too much mm-hmm. to present to the public. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wrote a song called You that um was actually recorded here in Pennsylvania for our last record that we finished called Black is the New Black. And uh that was a song about <sighs> me getting raped when I was eight. Oh wow. I had never talked about it before. Mm, okay. Um and uh but it was time to write a song about it. And on my solo record, but we've never played it live. We're never gonna play it live. Okay. Right? Yeah. I don't need to I don't need to play that. Right. You know? Yeah. And and on my solo record that I put out in twenty nineteen, I did a song of, at the time that I hadn't talked to anybody about, but it was about me having MS, which I was diagnosed with in twenty sixteen, but I hadn't I mean, these you know, friends and family and people I talked to knew about it, but I wasn't public about it until 2019. Did I read correctly that you may, they, they said that you may have had that for much longer uh, before you were diagnosed with it? Do you think 15 to 20 years? No kidding. Yeah, because that seems we're like longer. a late diagnosis, yeah. Yeah, because the basically what is, they found, I was in a car accident, long story short, I was in a car accident in April of 2016, uh, brakes just froze up, wasn't my fault, hit a parked car that wasn't supposed to be parked there. Um, Two weeks later, no one got hurt. Two weeks later, um, I started getting a twitch in my neck. And we were talking about rehab and stuff earlier. Mm-hmm. I called my my uh, orthopedic surgeon. He's like, go get an MRI. I'll find out where it is. I'll give you epidural. You'll be fine. Well, I walk into his office, his little examination room like I always do, and there's like six guys in this, Oh, man. This wow. Room. That's about as big as behind where you guys are standing there. And they all got like long coats and clipboards, and they all just look at me like, like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, I'm like it's not good. good. I don't yeah. know what this is, but this is not good. Have you ever had an yeah. intervention? Because I know you're sober. I mean, I, I, I would imagine it's got to be kind of like that. You're walking into a room, you're like, what the hell is going yeah, on yeah, here? No, when I no. got sobered, there wasn't intervention. <laughs> no. There wasn't rehabs, only if you're rich people. Yeah. yeah. Now, back in 89, that wasn't the thing. It, it hadn't become a cottage industry yet. <laughs> it's it's yeah. funny. Yeah, um, recovery. So mm-hmm. you're, you're in recovery, I'm in recovery. I got yeah. a little over 10 years, which my cousin always says it's, good Congratulations, it's a good start, right? Yeah. Um, but I love talking to old timers and people that were that have been around for a long time and they're like, you know, you guys had like real grit, you know, you didn't have the support system that that I have, yeah. uh, or or at least that I had early on. So yeah, yeah it's it's um, they, they pretty amazing. They didn't give us nice drugs for real. <laughs> they gave us battery acid. <laughs> <laughs> we're tough, man. Well, you, you, you. Men- no, I just hit thirty three years sober like last week. Thirty three. Wow. Congratulations. A good start. <laughs> I assume people reach out to you for encouragement all the time. Okay. As a matter of fact, I went back to school. Um, college. I started at college in the 80s, got my two-year degree, my AA degree, and then it got, I, I had to make a choice between going to college, playing in band, working, making a living, and drinking, becoming a blackout drunk, and obviously that was way more important than going to school. <laughs> so at the time, I, I quit school, and then now I went back, and I'm um, about a year and a half, no, about a year away from my psychology degree. I've got a full-on life coaching, master life coaching, three degrees, 
that I got over the last two years and uh, alcohol drug certification. That's phenomenal. I'm going to work with people as uh, people who are creatives in the creative industry, you know, writers, musicians, actors, producers, stuff like that. You know, you'd think you'd get a big ding from, from you know, the, the, the diagnosis, finding out, and that, that would put your sobriety to the test. And and uh, yeah yeah and and, and uh, but but you you overcame that and you're in good you're in good shape you 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 work out a, a fair amount do you not do you have, yeah, yeah yeah I'm, we were talking about that earlier I, I do physical therapy I, I swim one of the things about <clears throat> excuse me about uh, MS is that you can't get overheated it's not good for you so just running or doing regular kind of cardio is not good for me except for the fact that my body needs it right right so. When we bought our house in 2018, I had to make sure there's either a pool or room for a pool. I live in <laughs> California, so I built this big ass pool. <laughs> really big. Pool. Yeah. My wife is like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> well, yeah, you're going to swim. Foot pool? Yeah. yeah I, I, look, I put the hot tub in there for her. The yeah. high, you know, the little six inches. Where yeah. They sit, you know, the little yeah. umbrella. <laughs> Just, but, yeah, I got like. You got to do laps. I'm sorry. You know, I got. 60 foot of uh, swim lane and uh, I do it just about every day nice, nice. and um, it's 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 good for me you know it's good being you know we're we're all in you know, we were all in our 50s until April he just hit 50 <laughs> oh alright yeah but he's 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 the he's the fresh blood right there well speak, speaking of that before we get another song from you guys can you tell us a little bit about uh, your band bass please sure um, bass on bass and vocals he likes on walks on the beach. Yes. <laughs> hang gliding. Holding hands. Hang gliding. <laughs> while you're playing bass. It's Freddie, uh, Freddie Herrera on the guitar. Davey's been with me for kind of what, 18, 18. Wow. Wow. Davey, yeah. Davey French. Yeah. On um, the guitar and vocals. And, and then the kid. Back on the drum. <laughs> the kid. Fresh <laughs> yeah. blood. Sweater, as we call him. Sweater? Um, Sweater? That's a long How did he earn that? All right, all right. You don't want to go there. All you right. You take your shirt off. Yeah, take your shirt off. That's Brian Nolan. Brian. Brian used to play in a band called American Hi-Fi back in the day. Okay. Ah. Yeah. I remember. In fact, there's a lot of bands. Looking at who all everybody has played with that, uh, that I'm, you know, I'm seeing. Uh, Brian, you played with Tracy Bonham as well, uh, the Lemonheads. Oh, and God, uh, you yeah. guys have been in and out of a, a few different bands throughout the years that, uh, you know, we're all familiar with, which is uh, which is great. I mean, that every, and you guys all settle in together. So yeah. that's really cool. This incarnation's been around for, I think, about six, seven years. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, if you don't mind, let's uh, let's hear something else. What would you yeah. like to play now, Art? How about a really upbeat, fun song about... Uh, Abandonment. <laughs> By the way, real quick, you can stream this on YouTube. We are live in the studio right now with Everclear, so here we go. Father man, tell me where have you been? Just close mine, my whole world disappeared. Father man, take me back to the day. Yeah, when I was still your golden boy, back before you went away.
Three WMMR. That the most beautiful thing about that song, and I'm actually getting a little choked up as I'm speaking here, is uh, the final verse and and the redemption. Uh, you know, it's your story. It's not my story. I don't know why I get so emotional because you think about connect. it. But but it's um, so you know, it's, I've, I've learned from these things. I've I've learned what not to do in life. I've I've taken my this experience, this negative experience, and I'm going to funnel. I'm going to channel that into something positive. It's so beautiful. It's just amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. I never planned to write that song. I just remember, I mean, whose who's parents here? Who's got kids? Yeah. Bunch okay. of us here. So, you ever watch your kids sleep? Yeah, watch absolutely. Sleep, right? mm-hmm. Especially when you're poor. I mean, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> <laughs> but it is just one of those redeeming things where you feel like, hey, I didn't screw this one up. Right. This is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is what what's going on here, you know, and you start thinking about what all these implications are. And I remember watching my daughter sleep. Um, she must have been about five or six. Yeah, no, younger. Yeah, four or five. And I just remember just thinking, how does a man walk away from that? How yeah. do you actually do that? I don't know how you do that. I, I wasn't raised like that. I was raised by my mom. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have any bad feelings about my dad. He died a few years ago. Didn't really know him, you know. I mean, had kind of a okay relationship. Tried to get closer to him, but he just wasn't able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised by my mom, single mom. And after that kind of epiphany, I went in my office um, and just stayed up all night and wrote that song. What, what did your mom think about uh, yeah. the songs like that when she heard them? Um, as long as it wasn't about her. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote some songs about my mom. She didn't like those too much. Okay. But um, but they were they were really good. They were just hard. You know, it's funny. Someone asked one of my sisters, who I'm not really close to, but asked one of my sisters, um, you know, what's your brother like? Is that real? Did he, like, add a lot of stuff? And he goes, 
she goes, Arthur was being nice. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. Kind. Wow. It's, uh, you know, the, the, your, your ability as a songwriter to, to, to things that I may not have experienced in my life but can, can tap through to, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm not a dad, but I had a dad. And I know, you know, all of those things. And, and uh, just to, the, with the economy of your writing, to get right to the point, uh, there's a great song uh, that I've always loved, even uh, learning how to smile. Yeah, that's and, one of my favorites. And and, and it's, um, I think you've called that your, your the, the best song you've ever written. Is that because one of them? Yeah. yeah, it's up there. That and I think a song called Summerland that was on Sparkling Fade. When you're done with the song, when you when you're when you have it the way you want it, do you walk away? And, and is it that moment you say, "Okay, this is in the pantheon," or does it become that over time? I think, I, I don't know about Pantheon because that's a fancy East Coast word. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that on the West Coast. There's no Pantheon. No, it's not a Pantheon. On the West Coast, that would be a band name. We yeah, have yeah. Pantheon. <laughs> we have Pantry. Yeah. yeah. But somewhere in there, you, got, you threw Pantheon. It's a hair it. metal band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it's>, <laughs> <laughs> We're Pantheon. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm in a band. <laughs> um... Uh, yes, to, to be yes, it, yeah. I mean, it's like if it, when I've written songs like "Father of Mine," I knew I had something. Okay. I thought I had something, and then I played it for my A&R guy in L.A. And he's this at the time he was like this, you know, forty-five-year-old Brit, very stoic <laughs> guy, and he got all kind of misty behind his glasses. But out, outside, we heard like this noise, and we walked out where the assistant secretaries were sitting, and they were all sitting on. One desk hugging each other, sobbing. Oh, wow. Wow. And my NR guys, he's like, I don't know if it's a single, but it's definitely going on the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was in, uh, I won't say what year, but there were two <laughs> albums, two soundtracks that were on rotation in my disc man. It was the Empire Records soundtrack and the Romeo and Juliet yeah. soundtrack over and over. And every time I heard Local God, I had to play it at least three or four times. How did that end up on, I mean, Boz Lerman. Did they mm. choose it? Was it already written? Did you write it for the movie? Well, I did write it for the movie. Oh. I did, actually. I was in New York City. We were doing the uh, uh, MTV Music Awards that we were on that Chris Rock was actually hosting back in, mm -hmm. I think, 96. No incidents there, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't slap him right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he probably would have slapped me back. <laughs> but I... Um, remember, they asked me when, when we had just come back from Europe. My family had flown in. My daughter was there, and my wife, and we're staying at this fancy hotel. And they had asked me to do the song for this, and they sent me like a, a little bit of the video of the scene they wanted us to be in. And I, uh, I, I'm pretty well versed in Shakespeare. I studied Shakespeare back when I was in college, and you know, and I knew the scene that they were talking about from the original Shakespeare, even though it had guys with tattoos and right. lowriders and stuff. John Leguizamo. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I was, um, I and I went shopping with my wife, and I heard, like, bass and drums, which in the mid-'90s was kind of, like, the cool thing. And, and I just I kind of dug that loopy kind of feel to it. And I went back to the room. It was the day before the awards. I went back to the room and wrote, wrote that song. Yeah. That's wild. Was it yeah. difficult to write? I mean, is it difficult? It's almost like being given an assignment in school. So, yeah. You know, here's your theme. Sometimes. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I'm like, uh, I can't, I'm either interested or not. Okay. I, can't, I can either do it or I can't. Uh, but I felt like I could on this. And um, incidentally, so 
it was on that soundtrack because we were on Capitol and it was a Capitol soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And we made more money off that one song really? on that soundtrack than we made on Sparkling Fish. No oh. way. That's really? crazy. Yes, yeah, crazy. Wow. Because we had that platinum record. We could go in and just, you know, kind of everything to the wall and just negotiate this great thing. We made a lot of money off that. <laughs> but incidentally, we go to Australia later that year and... We're, we're getting ready to play, and the, the head of EMI Australia, the head of the record company, is like, why aren't you playing Local Guy? And I go, because it's the soundtrack. So yeah. <laughs> he goes, dude, he goes, mate, it's it's a number one hit here on three different formats. Oh, oh God. you got to play that song. Yeah. So we had to figure it's, out. It's funny. We were talking earlier about Kate Bush has uh, Run yeah. Up That Hill. has become yeah. a massive hit. From uh, Stranger Things. Yeah. Stranger yeah. Things decades yeah. later. I've got a 14-year-old. I know. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you quickly about uh, mentioning MTV. And, the, and, and there was the documentary about the 99 Woodstock. And, uh, and you were there. They, I was God, there. They didn't mention us. Everybody <laughs> 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 they mentioned, they just tore apart. Uh -huh. But and you had a different take on it slightly than, I mean, it, it was, sucked. it sucked. Oh, it, it sucked. Was horrible. I but was there. It was, it, I mean, you saw it. Like, I was there, and you could see as a fan on, on our end, it's just sort of descending, descending into madness. You could see it, like, Saturday. You're like, dude, there's something, something wrong is happening here. The different take you're talking about is you on stage. we're on stage. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, we had 300,000 people singing the words Santa Monica. It's got to be that one. Was, it's a city. That was just <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a good sized city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right there. And that makes you think because there was no plumbing, there was no water. Water. They were selling water for what, eight bucks a bottle. Yeah, it, it was crazy. way too expensive. Yeah, is what eight it was. To Ten bucks a bottle. Yep. And and some people were buying a lot of it and then selling it for even more. And there was girls getting uh, abused, sexually oh, abused, saw that. raped, and uh, under and uh, like doing sexual favors with the crew underneath the, the stage to get on stage. There was all sorts of just horrible things going on. But that hour that we were on stage was transcendent. Well, I, lo I love how you observed that you said you, you guys beat a hasty retreat when you found out that the Chili Peppers were handing out candles. Yeah, that was just... <laughs> that was going to go south. <laughs> we're like, oh, yeah, we're done. <laughs> Big, that's the biggest audience you've ever played for, I would assume? Probably. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We got time for one more. If you guys would uh, indulge, it'd be great. You got it. All right. This is Everclear on MMR. Hey, thanks for having us here. Anytime. We, we love coming back. You know that. Um, this is called Santa Monica. I am still living with your ghost. Mm, lonely and dreamy of the West Coast. Yeah. 
MMR. I, I have to ask because that was that's the song that really launched the band. What was that? What was the kernel of inspiration to to write that song? I was living in Portland. We got our our um, we just got signed to Capitol. We were getting ready to go to uh, Seattle to film a video for a song off World of Noise, a song called uh, uh, Fire Maple Song, and then we were driving from there straight across to. Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin, at Smart Studios, where we recorded this, uh, where we rec- recorded Sparkle and Fade. And I had been suffering from anxiety, depression for a while. I was clean, but, you know, when I got clean, I just started having panic attacks and stuff like that. And when I drove to the beach with my wife and my daughter um, for a few days, it just went away. <laughs> All the anxiety went away. And then when I started heading back away from the ocean, uh, it all came back. Mm. And when I got home, I just, it really, I, I wrote a song about comfort zones because I grew up by the ocean. I grew up in, on the west side of LA, Santa Monica, Venice, Culver City. And um, I, uh, I wrote the song and recorded it. And my A&R guy thought it was amazing, thought it was going to be a hit, which he was right. Forced us to make it a little bit longer. That's, a, that's another story. <laughs> but he was right. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, but I uh, ref- I called it Santa Monica because that's my comfort zone. That's right. where I was from. That's where I grew up. Yeah. And they're like, no, you can't call it that. You don't say Santa Monica. You, say, you, know, you can watch me call it that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but for radio, the one... The caveat I made was that for radio, you call it Summerland, Santa Monica, in parentheses, watch the world die. Right. Because they're like, no, you need to change that to watch the world die. And the president of Capitol was constantly calling me calling me names and, and just like, no, you got to do this. I'm telling you, you got to do this. You're going to ruin your career. I go, well, <laughs> why, well you, you still got to pay me, Ace. <laughs> why, why did you feel so strongly about that title? I mean, that's it seems like a, a little thing as an artist. Because I grew up be. with Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin named the last yes. one that they didn't have. That had no to this day, correlation. I still yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's Black Dog, right? Yeah, right. that's you know. We play him all the yeah. time, and we can't name the title, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, everybody does that. This meant something to me. This wasn't some ambiguous kind of trying to be cool thing, right? Santa Monica was swim out past the breakers, watch the world die. That 
was the imagery of 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 what I grew up with. You know, you got. I used to do that. I used to go. You know, I was drunk or yeah, yeah. with friends. We'd swim out and we'd we'd be out there in the dark and just like God. I hope the shark doesn't bite me. <laughs> <laughs> you always have to remember that. And I always say like, and, and there was a series that just wrapped up called The Offer about the making of the original Godfather, and they fought Francis Ford Coppola on Al Pacino at every turn. Mm-hmm. He was right. Yeah. So there you go. Sometimes what's in your gut is right. Sometimes, yeah. especially when you're young and hungry. Yeah. Like that, and the fire's in your belly for sure. Right, right, right. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, here we are 30 years later, and uh, you guys are celebrating uh, the anniversary tour of, uh, or the, the anniversary of the album, World of Noise. And there's a, there's a deluxe edition that's available yeah. uh, if people would like to get that. For the first time on, on, on digital platforms, it's never been on digital platforms. Oh, that's wild. So it's really, yeah. It's remastered. It's got six bonus tracks. Two of them have never been uh, previously released, and um, it's um, it sounds great. Excellent. I, I mean, it's raw. You know, yeah. you sound great. But yeah. You, yeah. But you can tell when, if you like the the later stuff. You can tell where it came from when cool. you hear this. This is the root, root of all of it for sure. This has been such a blast. Thank you guys for being here Thanks, this man. morning. Thanks for having us. Great to have you here, Everclear guys. Yeah. Have a great show tonight. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Stay with us. What's new? Why do you ask? Ghost. Disturbed. Rival Sons. More of everything that rocks. On 93.3 WMMR. Now, WMMR presents Kristen and Steve's Bizarre Final. At least seven people were killed after a massive rock fell on top of several tourist boats. In the Brazilian state of Minas Gerais, this on is Saturday. terrifying footage. And in fact, terrifying. The uh, the 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 death toll apparently is increasing. Yeah, because uh, they're still looking for other people. There were three people that were missing at the time of this story that I saw, uh, but they had to bail because uh, they they ran out of light. They didn't have any natural light. Twenty three of the thirty two people who were treated. With minor injuries were discharged, while two others were treated with exposed fractures. Uh, rescue efforts continue. There are situations such as victims being trapped under rocks that they have to uh, try and figure out. So if you manage to see the, the footage, the odds of people being directly in the path would seem to be pretty limited. I mean, but but there they were, yep. and the thing came down, and they there's no way they could have gotten out of the way. Yep, and apparently these uh, these cliffs have been, uh, they were forecasting it, you know, uh, that they've been crumbling as is, and yeah. they might have been a little too close to it. But, I mean, it's a huge chunk of this cliff that just breaks away and falls down on them. It's horrible. Uh, the state of Menas Gerais' uh, landlocked area in southeastern Brazil uh, had experienced heavy rainfall recently, mm. which has contributed to that. So that's messed up, man. <clears throat> uh, a warrant has been issued for a Houston-area mom 
accused of putting her son in the trunk of her car after he tested positive for COVID-19. It's adorable. I used to love trunk trips. She was in line to get a COVID test. And uh, Sarah Beam, a teacher at Cypress Falls High School, has been charged with endangering a child. Beam took the 13-year-old boy to a drive-through COVID testing site on Monday for additional testing. An employee who was gathering information from people in line said Beam told her the boy was in the trunk. Because she didn't want to be exposed to the virus. Kids in the trunk if you want to find yeah. him. Do you keep a spare infected child in your trunk? Uh, the employee asked the woman to open the trunk. She confirmed that the boy was there. She alerted the police and provided the woman's license plate number and other information used to identify her. Hi. Uh, the boy wasn't hurt, but uh, police said that he could have been if there had been an accident since he wasn't protected by a seatbelt or anything like yeah, that. So you got to consider that. That's why you don't drive around with the kids in the trunk. So she is going to face a charge for that. A painter from New York who was embarrassed about a growth on his nose had his luck turn around when he started a job at the home of a world-renowned plastic surgeon. And the main reason I bring this up is I saw a picture of this guy. It's astonishing. It looks like a penis. It looks completely like a huge penis. On his face. Yes. It looks like he had a penis for a nose. And then the after is amazing. Yep. Uh, Conrado Estrada noticed that uh, what he thought were pimples on his nose six years ago, and they were growing quickly. Uh, Estrada said people would stare and point at him in public, and the growth also made it hard to breathe, especially while working. Nick's going to see if he can find a photo of this. I want to see your reaction to this. Uh, He said, "I I felt bad. I felt bad because when I went out, people stared at me. And it was a burden for me. Yes. Um, over the years, various doctors prescribed drugs or treatments that did little help. He finally caught a break when he started a job at the home of Dr. Thomas Romo the third late last summer. Romo is the director of facial plastic surgery at a hospital in New York City. So it was the right guy. Um, and Romo spotted him across the uh, the yard Dude. and surprised him by inviting him inside and telling him the condition that he had was actually called rhinophyma, and he would fix it for free. Look at this. It's straight up Squidward, dude. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, he had to also go see a urologist. Uh, he's. I said, "Wow, this poor guy with the way healthcare is everywhere, he'll never get this treated because one, there are so few people who know how to do it, and two, they'll claim it's cosmetic or he's going to have to pay for it." Huh. And I said, "Screw that! We're going to take care of this guy." Good for him. Uh, rhinophyma is a form of rosacea in which oil glands and connective tissue on the nose grow uncontrollably. Uh, Estrada said, "At first, I thought it was a joke." When the process began, taking photos, filling out medical forms, medical exams, COVID vaccine, then I knew it was happening. Uh, the deformity was impacting his eating, breathing, speaking, and socialization. Yeah, it, it, in its prior stage, it dips below his mouth. Yeah. Uh, Romo performed the two-hour surgery a couple of months later to remove the malfunctioning glands and recontoured Estrada's nose. And it looks like a normal nose. Much better. Yep. Uh, He said to see him beaming and standing up strong and being proud was really something else. Estrada feels great post-surgery and said that he's thankful to Dr. Romo and his staff. Here's a story out of Alabama. It was a normal day for Cinnamon Clark and her husband when they decided to share a sandwich from the Firehouse Subs in Ozark. However, when she got her meal, she noticed something wasn't quite right. She said, I opened up the sub, noticed half or most of my meat wasn't on there. Um, once Clark saw that her sandwich was not made properly, she called the store and they told her to come by so he could, so they could remake her order. And that's when the owner refused to give her another sandwich. 
Well, after some arguing, Clark pulled out her camera to record her encounter with the owner, and what she caught on video shocked her. And apparently the owner said to her, and I quote, When I talk to God tonight, I'm going to see if he can come to your house and take you. What? <laughs> oh, oh. Over meat on a sandwich? I'm going to pray to God. Let me get this straight. <laughs> what would you like me to do? Uh, Clark and her husband, who have been loyal uh-huh. customers... Uh, Wanted to, more meat. Got it. To Firehouse Subs said they eat there about once a week. Why hast thou called me forward? A meat situation? <laughs> uh, she said, though, this experience is seeing that her business will, was not appreciated is what hurts most. So we come in here every day and spend money here, and uh, this is how we are getting treated. Please. Uh, so uh, a local news station reached out to the owner, and uh, he has not responded after multiple attempts to contact him. But he's talking to God. He's busy praying to God yeah. to say that they will take her because she wanted more meat on her sandwich. Lift this meat issue from my shoulders. All right, one last story, and we'll wrap. I have many that I could get to, but this one I love. Lego. Yes. Has officially designated a piece of Lego to be used <laughs> as an actual mammalian anus. Yeah. You saw this? I did. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> I kid you not. Lego set number 31129 is called the Majestic Tiger. Oh. Uh, the tiger is very beautiful. It's a remarkable rendering of something biological with Legos, which is always a massive challenge. But at the very back, if you look at it, there is a little red butthole. Just like a tiger anus. Exactly. So, in the article that I read, the author wrote, um, the more you consider this plastic anus, the more fascinating it gets. Consider the plastic anus. He said there were very likely discussions about this anus. There were likely debates as to whether to include it or not. Passionate arguments made on both sides. Zoom meeting discussions, drawings, plans, tests, lengthy email chains that possibly included pro and con arguments to decide whether an existing piece should be repurposed or if the anus was important enough to merit its own new, unique piece, one that could likely be repurposed as a balloon knot for some party sets or something like that. I don't think it looks that accurate. It would be more of like a flap. Uh, I don't know. This looks more like a nozzle opening. Well, I believe it's a flower, right? Like, they, they use the same... Piece is a pink flower in other Lego sets. Do they? Yeah. So I, the tiger got stuck with a flower ass? Well, yeah. No. I would actually have to see a tiger's butthole. Well, I have to have a book over here. To make a, 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 a complete comparison. Big book of tiger buttholes. But the bottom line is, is that Lego has actually included it in yeah. a set, and you it's a part you put on there. It's a butthole. That's awesome. It's a Lego butthole. Is there anything they came to? Wait. That's a name for a band. Butthole. The, the Lego Buttholes. <laughs> Although you couldn't do it because it's a trademarked name. True. But nonetheless. Spell it differently. Yeah, you could do it. All right. Uh, let's take a break. Come yes. back in a second. And then we'll get to the lesson question, Trash Music News. That's coming up next. Stay with us. Stream WMMR anywhere you have an internet connection. Listen on our mobile app or go to WMMR.com. It's kind of self-explanatory after that. 
Hey, you've heard us talking about Krista. She's beautiful, classy, and brilliant, and she's so easy. Krista is Stephen's most loved engagement ring. Picture her, a bright white, high-quality, round, brilliant-cut diamond expertly set into a classic, solitaire, Tiffany-style setting. Krista will guarantee you a yes. Go to IHateStevenSinger.com and click on Krista to check her out. Visit Stephen's showroom at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly. You buy real diamonds from a real jeweler that you can trust. It's IHateStevenSinger.com. Now back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. There was something else I thought was worth uh, bringing up. It was an article that uh, sent over to me, and it's from a relationship coach that says that these are the five mistakes that lower your sex appeal and also five things that men and women do that make them appear unsexy. So as we're moving into a time where you're going to be... Maybe going out and socializing or whatever, or, you know, it mm-hmm. uh, might be good to know these things yes. and up your uh, up your uh, odds. This is from a leading relationship expert, Luann Ward, who is from Perth, Australia, and she's listed five of these things, and then I'll go through the ones that, uh, that men and women do uh, the most uh, to make them unsexy. So, number one, oddly enough, is sleep deprivation. Uh-huh. A lack of sleep was listed as the number one reason... Why your sex appeal might dip if you're not getting enough sleep. So uh, I assume that manifests in both uh, your attitude and your physicality, right? Yeah, she said, um, this is according to Ms. Ward, she said, not only does it dull our skin and decrease our energy, but has also been proven to decrease the appearance of our general attractiveness, health, and emotion. Huh. Generally speaking, fatigue and sleep deprivation can make you appear less attractive. Huh. So get a good night's sleep. <laughs> That's very general, right. but I got it. Yeah. All right. Another one is having a negative attitude. Uh, she what said, the hell does that mean? That's so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> she said being kind and approachable to others will boost your sex appeal, while a negative attitude will lower it. Well, this is that's very obvious, I would think, if you're if you're a kind of a pissing and moaning kind of person. With this in mind, uh, it's important to be positive and open-minded when dating to make great first impressions. Right, right. Uh, she says mean girls and guys finish last, while they're often portrayed as the intimidatingly attractive one in Hollywood. A uh, prospective partner with a nasty disposition is likely to have lower sex appeal. I'll tell you this, though. A lot of people put on faux personalities in those initial stages of dating Mm -hmm. so that, you know, you're not going to really reveal who you are. So a lot of times it's just play acting. Uh, Somebody texted in and said, number one on this list for uh, the least sexy thing you can do is forgetting your jam at home. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, it is. Got my jam back. (laughs) Uh, playing mind games. You come here often. Playing mind games is number three on this list. Uh, it says playing the game is often a strategy both men and women take when dating, uh, but that is likely to backfire and won't benefit your sex appeal. Let me ask you: When you would get a um, a, a number, how long before you would call the girl that you know uh, gave you the number? Uh, definitely not the next day. Right. One, one more day after. One more day. Or if it was going to be the next day, it would be late in the day. Right. Because it would just, you didn't want to seem too eager. Too eager and right. scare them away. You know what I mean? The call's coming from inside the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm downstairs. <laughs> How come you never come downstairs? Uh, it says here, she says, treating them mean and keep them keen doesn't do anything to raise your appeal. So that's playing mind games. I got one number in my entire life. 
Really? One time. Wow. Yeah. It was okay. uh, 10-4? No, it was 10-4. No, I uh, was at Nifty 50s, believe it or not. I was just sitting there eating my pistol pizza place and cheese fries. Were you wearing a uh, hat? I Did don't think hat, so. A little diner hat to wear? No. But it was, um, <laughs> I think it was this summer between my junior and senior year of college, and it's so funny. You were just sitting there eating? Just sitting there eating with my friends, and... <laughs> There was a girl who was kind of sitting across at a booth. She was IFing me, and I, and I felt that, right? Yeah. But There was a moisture on the back of your eyeballs. But also, I'm like, am I just like, am I imagining this? But I'm like, she just keeps looking over here, and it's crazy. You can and, tell. You can usually tell. Uh, but at a certain point uh, of the evening, she got up, and she walked over, yeah. and she threw a, a napkin in front of me, and then kept going to the bathroom, and yeah. it was her phone number. Hmm. I never called her. Um, I don't know why I didn't call her, but I just didn't. Uh, but there was Did a, you find it, her attractive? I, from my, you know, yeah. recollection, it was, you know, one night in my, you know. It, or was it just the milkshake talking? <laughs> no, it was probably the milkshake talking. No, she, I remember her being cute. Okay. But, I, you know, I, I never called her. Did um, she talk to you? No. She just handed you her number? Handed me her phone number. It was oh. the only time I ever Dude, that anything. Dude, she wanted to bang, man. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Dude, I don't me? even know how old she was. You're you know? nifty and I'm 50. <laughs> I mean, she could, uh, I, at that time, I was probably 21. Okay. Right? She could have been 16, 17 years old for all oh, I know. I, I don't know. What's I, your name, Skippy? <laughs> she okay. definitely, she wasn't okay. older right. older than me. Casey's one and only time he got a number. That was it. Ah, yeah. interesting. There was a girl, man, that I, we used to go to Cali on uh, Wednesday nights. It was, you know, $5 to get in, 25 cent drinks. And we went there every single Wednesday night. There was one girl. Every time, like, hey, you know, can I buy you a drink? She didn't want anything to do with me. Like, and I, like, I know why you keep bothering me. I, I, like, I wasn't out, sh- out shooting my, uh, you know, yeah. my range there. I know, like, I'm like, There's- you were right in the pocket. And she was right yeah. in my wheelhouse, right? Yeah. She was cute. And she was in a wheelchair. And she was in a wheelchair, too. She was cute. She wasn't hot, hot, hot. Right. You know what I mean? But man, she did not want uh, anything to do with me. I was like, every, every week I'd go there and she'd be like, She's here again. I, love, here I again. love your necklace. Yeah. It's a first alert. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder no. what she's up to now. I know. You know? Yes. <laughs> yeah. We've all had those. Yeah. I wonder why you, if I ever had, if I had ever pursued that, and nine times out of ten it would have been a disaster. Right. You know? yeah. yeah, but the girls you didn't call that you think that you had a shot with, that those those linger with you. you yeah, know? They, they do. They stick around for probably yeah. your whole life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nifty fifty. Now, now I want to see this girl. Yeah, I really the nifty fifties to... girl. No, no, the one that uh, that that you that you fired on all the time, and she gave you no response. Was she always at the end of the Did bar she... like a female norm? No, it, no, because it was more of like a nightclub. Okay, let me, let me ask you when, you: when you go over and you would ask for her number, or you were just trying to? I just took listen. I also was super duper awkward. Yeah. I mean, it's not much different than me today. Um, Hi, great mom. <laughs> um, but it was more like I'm like I don't even know what to say to her. Like, right? Hey, man, you like, just walk up yeah. and gibberish. Yeah. Hi, grandmom. We have you to leave, go. please. We gotta go. We, we gotta, gotta go. go. Oh God, I love you. Please leave me alone. <laughs> I'm like every single week she was there. I'm like, oh my God. Anyway.
away. Every week. You know, and like, I could totally afford to buy her a drink. Right, yeah, 25 yeah. cents. I'm 25 like, hey, cents. You want four drinks? Yeah. I'll you give you want four. 40 drinks? <laughs> so you had, a, you had a crush on her. I did. You had a crush. Crushes are hard, man. I don't oh, know what her God. name was. And I don't know where she's from. Like, they're hard to get over. I think about the crushes that I have, and I still remember them. And, uh, and it's, you know... Why wasn't I good enough? You yeah. know what I mean? It's you kind of the me. thing that goes. You know what mind. though? You were life was laying it out for you so that you ended up with the per, you know like I yeah, know. It all, Listen, but it, it doesn't mean you you can't look back and yeah. say I wonder if I'm thoroughly happy and and yeah. uh, I'm where I need to be. Uh, but you know what? I I could have nailed a couple here <laughs> yeah. and there. You know, along the way. Yeah. Right. I remember the missed sexual opportunity. <laughs> All right. Here's another thing that you can that you do that makes you unsexy, or some people do slouching. My God, am I the worst sloucher? Are I you? slouch all the time. Would you slouch when on I, a date, though? When I watch these Daily Rush videos, oh, okay. I just, you know, I'm just i hunched over like this right now. And in fact, Christine over at Trinity Rehab texted both me and Nick, and she's like, no wonder you guys have oh, problems. Really? Yeah, she's watching Your the YouTube. horrible. Yeah, she, she, when I got into tri- Trinity last week, she's like, I'm watching the YouTube video. You guys have terrible posture. Yeah. It's so hard to fix, though. It you, is. You automatically do that, and then you have to, like, tell yourself to sit up, put your shoulders back, and it feels Was awkward. it last? About a minute? And yeah. then you're back and at your... And then you're your... like, oh, yeah, it. Totally. It's, Actually, I'm the same way. You know I try to do be, be cognizant of it, and then I forget, and next thing you know, I'm back. You got a slouch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm crouched over again. Steve, she's watching the YouTube videos, and she says, you know who has the best posture? Steve. Well, uh, because, because I know. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it lends itself to you having good posture. Yeah. I will take that. But it, it does, um, uh, it forces you to... It forces me to stay awake, so that's the big plus. So this relationship expert says, few may realize your posture and how you hold yourself also impacts your sex appeal. Yeah. And can make you appear less attractive. I'm constantly... You know, bonerific over here. Mm. She said, uh, "Body language is everything, and something as small as slouched shoulders can lower your sex appeal. Instead, stand up straight, ensure your chin is up, <laughs> and do not and sit with your arms folded. Either. Stick your boobies out. Yeah, that yeah. too. <laughs> do you do your shoulders back? Can you touch your beautiful boobies? <laughs> can you touch your elbows together in the back? <laughs> no, but they're." <laughs> Listen, I will fix my posture before um, a photo, and yes. sometimes it looks like I'm pushing my boobs out, and I'm yeah. not. I've just like kind of re- put, you know, lifted my shoulders and pushed them. There's yeah. a picture of, of Marissa and I from sh- Chicago, and someone was like, "Do you just purposely push your boobs out?" I'm like, "No, I didn't. I was just trying to fix my posture." But well, there's the classic, and I found out that a, and a photographer just recently told me that the best way, if you're wearing a suit like in those pictures. From Chicago, a guy is supposed to put one hand in, in the pocket. In the pocket, yeah. Yeah. In that, yeah. And so that's the equivalent of the one hand on the hip, right? I guess so. Guy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so slouching. Stop doing that. Stop and it. then the last one, uh, and then I'll give you some unsexy mistakes that men and women make uh, gender-wise and how it splits up. So uh, stress and complaining. Miss Ward said complaining or feeling stress can give off, give off negative energy and repel others around you. Uh, regardless, if you're a man or a woman, it is important to boost your sex appeal by having a positive attitude, controlling your stress levels, and keeping complaints to a minimum. I think also for people in in a case where you're you're going to be out meeting people or you know looking, I, I think mm. keep the mind on fostering a friendship first, mm. and then if something more is going to happen, you know what I'm saying? Like in other words, take the onus off of. 
I want to embed this person. But if, you, if you're going on a date, though, it's kind of hard. But for guys to think of the way they would converse with a friend, it's because I okay. think that's that's a big stumbling block. What am I going to say to this person? Well, what would you say to someone who is you were talking to a friend? Okay, mm-hmm. if you can put yourself you know, in, the, in that frame, in of that mind. frame of mind. Okay, you know, so I think that's sound advice. Yeah, you don't have this thing hanging over you like when we we do our mixers. I always tell people that you know, that's. Here's approach this person as a human being. Yeah, it's the same way you converse with anybody else that you like. Okay, so I have unsexy mistakes that women make. Yeah, all right. All right. This is when well, those were all guy only. No, no, no. Those okay. those were everybody. So so I have un, un, uh, unsexy mistakes that women make and unsexy mistakes men make. These are more specific uh, um, things that people do. So number five for women. Yes, unsexy things. Saying quote, you could be an axe murderer or a rapist for all I know. Well, no kidding, it's not sexy, but sometimes that's what you worry about. Why would yeah, you say that? You don't want to say that to the person. You know, that's what it's saying. You know, hey, for all I know, you could be a killer, right? You're not and here I am on a, jamming. on a date with you. Yeah, I guess if you're not comfortable, then don't go. Number four, being oversensitive and crying as a strategy. Wow, who does that? Yeah. I want the nachos. I don't see how that comes into play when you're just starting to meet people. Why do they call? <laughs> Here's my number. <laughs> um, all right, this one uh, also. Unsex- I can't read it. The tears blurted. Unsexy mistakes women make. Uh, too much eagerness texting too frequently. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. That's probably annoying as hell. Okay, so yes, if you're if you're communicating via text, right. okay. Yep. If it's things like I really want me some D. Wow. Yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be upset by that, but. Uh, too much eagerness in texting too frequently. So too much back and forth with texting. And that's where you get into those I see the mind games. You talked about yeah. the earlier thing about the mind game. All right, how long do I wait on this? Do I want to? How are they going to perceive that? A lot of times later on, when, you know, as I was dating Prince, I was, just, was upfront about. You know, there's a scene in Annie Hall um, where uh, you know Woody Allen's walking along with Diane Keaton, and he he it's like a first date, and he kisses her because can we just get this out of the way so mm-hmm. that we don't have to worry about that. They guess, okay, let's move on. And, okay. and, and like, you know, I, I don't know if that's going to work all the time, but no. if you can just sort of say, okay, we're both awkward and uncomfortable here, let's make this work. They kind of do that in Goodwill Hunting. Too. I was hoping yeah. to get my yeah, yeah, I was hoping to get a good night late. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll settle for a kiss. Um, saying, all right, another unsexy mistake a woman can make says, uh, saying, I don't need a man. <laughs> What's a man got to do with me? <laughs> I got a man. I ain't trying to hear that, see? What if you were a lesbian, though? What scene is that from? It's actually a song. That's a legitimate man. What's your man got to do with me? I got a man. I ain't trying to hear that, see? What's that from? It's a song. It's a song. I know what song is it. Isn't it I got a man? Is it uh, Salt and Pepper? No. No, that's What a Man. On Vogue? That's What a Man. What a man, what a man, what a man, what a mighty man. It's a mighty, mighty good man. Positive K. Positive K. Okay. Didn't know that. I got a man. I remember that. (laughs) All right. And then, number one, unsexy mistake that a woman can make is, I have to agree, this is not that fun, taking an hour to put on makeup to go for Sunday breakfast. Oh, go screw yourself. (laughs) I don't need a man. Yeah, or you you start texting me frequently and uh, be oversensitive and cry from your sitting down with the first application of any makeup to the completion point. What do you average time wise? Uh, well, for me, for Sunday, br- well, see, 
I don't know. Putting on the old feed bag. Well, no, there's there's different. Like when we were out in Chicago and there was an event, that's yeah. going to take uh, a little bit longer. You how know? long? Like, f- but I don't know how long it takes me to do makeup. Like, I know full okay. get ready from like shower, you know, dress, hair, makeup would be. I would be about an hour and 15 if it was, like, an event for in Chicago. If it's right. just, like, every day, I'm good at, like, um, an hour to do everything. But maybe if I'm not, you know, if I'm already showered, hair done, half hour. All right, so dressing, makeup, everything. So so do the time this way. Yeah. How long from the beginning of the first Iron Man movie, how deep into the Marvel <laughs> series do you go <laughs> before you're complete? You could get through a full movie. <laughs> it's funny. My, my wife doesn't take overly long to get ready for, yeah. you know, a nice night out. But we went out on Saturday. Saturday night, it was a, uh, you know, wore a sport coat to this yeah. thing. And she was like, hey, are you going to get ready? And I was like, dude, <laughs> like, we're not even leaving the house for uh, over an hour. I'm yeah. like, how, how long do you think it takes me to get ready, right? We wanted to be out of the house by 6.30. I got in the shower at 6.14, and I was ready before her. Yeah. You oh, know? yeah, dude. If, we, uh, as far, if a shower is included, mm-hmm. it's still... At the most, fifteen minutes for me. <laughs> Ten minutes is more like it. Uh-huh. I can get in and out, and I'm ready to go. Lickety split. How is Rochelle? Because she wears makeup. Everywhere. She's a girly girl, yeah. yeah. So she she definitely has to get ready. So how does it take her a long time? Yeah, but I don't know how long because she plans in advance. She it's not like we're running late right. because she isn't ready yet. So she knows yeah. ahead of time. And that just gives me time to go play drums or, you know, do something to to kill some time. Uh, So it doesn't bother me at all, just as long as we know that we're leaving at this time. Yeah, But it takes a while. Exactly. Claire's, well, yeah, for for Claire. Claire's the same way. She knows what outfit she's going to wear. She's going to know the jewelry she's going to, so she has the whole progression. Um, But, um, you know, I know how to play it now, you know, to get her set for the exact time that we'd like to leave. Because I like to be there early. To an event, usually. Yeah, do you a give bit. her yeah. the yeah. wrong time? I'll, I'll, I'll expedite it in my own little way, corralling ways, which is hept to my ideas. Yeah, I've got, I've got a friend that takes forever, and yeah. so I give her the wrong time. You do the Pierre Robert. <laughs> yep, yeah, absolutely. Give him an hour and, and I used to do 15 minutes, yeah. and um, she like that was like, you know, that, that was like leeway time. Like, she didn't even care about that, so I do... 30 minutes. I hope she's not listening. I do 30 minutes at, right. no matter what we are going to. I right, mean, even, yeah. if we're, even if we're working out at the gym, I'm like, oh, we're starting at 11.15. What if you had dinner reservations at a really nice steak restaurant at 6.30? What time do you think you would get there for that? <laughs> Wait, was I late? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They yes. wouldn't see this. It wasn't me. There. You know I was waiting in the lobby waiting for someone. Uh-huh. And then, and, and Nick <laughs> was actually someone waiting on the show. Someone honestly, is the other female on the show, yes. I thought it was uh, 7 p.m. It's my, uh, I, I made a mistake. Wait, how late? Were we really that late? That's 15 minutes late, except no. that I thought that it was 15 minutes early. No, I know you. What about us? Oh. Yeah, you guys were late. So. You guys only got there much. about maybe 5, 10 minutes before Nick did. Okay, so we were early that late. Well, Casey was standing there in a tuxedo by himself. <laughs> were, were people uh, trying to give you orders? And it was packed. Yeah, yeah right? They, they people, the like they, yes, people were looking at Excuse me like, me, can we have another me. basket of bread for the table? <laughs> Maitre d'. <laughs> <laughs> I wore a tuxedo to dinner as well. Right, yeah. The same one that I wore to the uh, award ceremony on Thursday night because I, I rented it. You yeah. wanted to get your money's worth. I <laughs> exactly. Gotcha. All right, so those are the mistakes that men make. Here are the unsexy mistakes, or I mean that women make. These are the unsexy mistakes that men make. Drooling. Uh, number five is not making an equal effort in presentation. Okay, so that you need to... Pre- you underdressed. Right. 
Yeah, they 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 got ready and, yeah. and are yeah, prepared yeah, yeah. for a special evening. And you clearly Crocs and a poncho. Yeah, look like you grabbed that off of the the top of the dirty clothes basket. Well, is it raining? You know, because the poncho makes sense. Yeah. Not so yeah. much. I don't know. Perhaps that's appropriate. Yep. I remember the the first date that Rochelle and I went on uh, was uh, to a St. Louis Blues game. Yeah. And uh, I show up and I'm wearing a jersey. Yeah. Jeans and a jersey. Right. Yeah. Team. She wear it to a hockey yeah. game. She got done up to the nines. And I'm like, you know we're going to a hockey game, right? You know? So I felt a little out of yeah. place, but you know, I, I was wearing what was appropriate. I thought, well, you're it's a it's a sports event. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. it wasn't like you were, you know. I mean, it was not outlandish to be wearing the team jersey. All right, here's another unsexy mistake that men can make, according to this relationship relationship expert, telling women that it's easier for them than it is for a man. Why would who you the ever, hell would do that? Why would you ever do that? Wait, what? That did things in general. Something is easier for women. Uh, so much easier for you guys than it is for a man. Wow. Can we have sex now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, great idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've always thought that we have much more. Um, we get off lightly with the maintenance of our plumbing as opposed to you know. Yeah. Women, oh, women, totally. women, yes. <laughs> uh, number three is setting up a date via a text message. What's wrong with that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, really, like. That's, um, that's a that's a faux pas. I, I, according to this expert, I, I wouldn't think now. Yeah, that that's considered a faux pas. It's kind of standard for a date. I think what they imply is that it's impro- inappropriate to ask for a date using a Gilbert Gottfried cameo video. Okay. Yeah. Although that could be that kind could of be charming. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah I don't know. I, I guess they're saying that, it, that a personal touch. You know, means yeah. a little bit more, but I mean, texting is so common. If you're at the date and then you continue the conversation with that person <laughs> via text while they're sitting across the table from you, that's probably inappropriate. But right, asking right. them out, I think that's fine. Uh, number two on this list for an unsexy mistake that men make: constantly talking about yourself, yeah, without oh, God, asking yeah. questions. What do you now? Enough about me. What do you think about me? Is the only right, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, you definitely have to. You, you got to think about the other person. I love. Finding out about people, I love asking questions about them. If anything, I probably don't proffer enough, you know, from from my side. But when, like, uh, I I love when you go out with people and they have things to say, mm-hmm. and they have, you know, they, they want to add to the conversation. The magic, uh, the magic phrase to use, and this is more if you're in a relationship yeah. with someone, is uh, if if guys, if you're having a hard time uh, communicating, is saying, "How does that make you feel?" Yeah. That's that's apparently mm. a, a question that that went Sick in, to my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> really like to hear because then yeah. they get to offer up what they're well, thinking. Yeah, about. yeah. That you that you value what they're saying. What do you think about yeah. that? How does that make you feel? Me What's so going to get me to a handy the quickest? How am I getting in your pants? <laughs> Can you tell me that? How, do you How feel does about that me make you feel? taking a tour of the inside of your pants? Yeah. <laughs> And then the last one, uh, an unsexy mistake that men can make, bitching about an ex or another woman. I don't know. Yeah. That's an amazing thing that occurs sometimes. The And I understand, like, um, I, I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen at, at, at mixers and just in other social interactions where a guy will start my ex or, or to talk about your ex or to talk about you know, any commentary about. It seems like a pretty standard thing, though, in in. Um, new relationships that both people share yeah. those stories. Yeah. I mean, like, if you're... Uh, and by the way, we're going to talk to Rick in this particular break? Yeah. Okay. I'm waiting for him to um, connect. So, it, especially if you are uh, divorced, and maybe yeah. the other person is, 
that's got to be a common thing to talk about, right? Yeah. I, I mean, because you have that in common. Yes, but to, I, I agree with Steve. Like, at some point... You can talk about it, but don't harp on it. You right. know, don't don't let that be the the only thing that you bond over. And if you are talking that much about your ex, then you still have some issues related to that person. And so right. you're not going to be a very strong single person if that's what all you're focusing on. Right. You would not want to roll out the here's the reasons I had issues with this person. Exactly. By the way, most of this stuff is all communicative. It's not, you know, it says this flatulence based. Well, no, no. Uh, these this lowering your sex appeal. I thought more of it would have something to do with physicality. Right, tilt your shoulder, take your top off, stuff like that. But I guess uh, the having, having bad posture, slouching. Well, that's close. And sleep deprivation would be the, the two main ones because the sleep deprivation, you, you look tired, you're irritable. Yeah, you know, yeah like to that. some extent. But it shows you how much we key off of the attitude, you right. know, or at least all of those other things that you don't. And I think a lot of people make that mistake. You can, you know, get done up to the nines, but you can... He's instantly counteract that with a bad attitude. Some of these, though, like the having a negative attitude and playing mind games and stuff like that, I think can it can make a a physically sexy person ugly. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, easily, easily. So in that regard, uh, I definitely see these being a point because you can have somebody who's really hot in your eyes. Uh, but if they're saying the wrong things, doing the wrong things, then they've automatically turned into an ugly person. I will. We'll we'll be watching TV, uh, Claire at, and I at home, and, and uh, there'll be a, a woman will come up on the screen or whatever, and I, you know, and I've, I I know something about all the the entertainment stuff that we report on, or so on and so forth, or just attitude or whatever. And I'm like, I do not find this person attractive, and they may be stunning, but it's just if you. Those character flaws, those things that just set you off in the wrong way. And and it's virtually impossible to come back from that once you've determined a person is a way you don't like. Hang on a second here. Chris wants to point something out real quick. Hey, Chris, good morning. Good morning, everybody. How are you? Great. What's up, Chris? So if you want to make yourself feel better, you should watch 90 Day Fiance. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that show. Everything, everything that you are mentioning is like in every episode. It's like... When I have a bad day, I'm like, oh, let me watch this, and I feel so much better about myself. <laughs> who's the dude with no? Who's the guy with no neck? Because that's the one I'm always like. Oh out, big Ed. Yeah, yeah like, big Ed. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that show is the biggest thing. And that's then they had the shows where the couples sit and watch TV of the other couples on the show and comment on it. Yeah, but listen. That's actually not bad because some of the chicks on there are, like, really hot in their pajamas. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just, right. The picture was just up. I love you guys. Thanks, Thanks Chris. Man. We appreciate it. Oh, my God. Is this this guy for real here, Preston? On the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's can, got no neck. Something happened to him. Something physically oh, wow. happened to him, and he can't. What is he, sleep in a wine press? He, he can't turn his head. No, he was like a, a, my wife watches this all the time. He was like a gymnast at one point. Really? Um, and, yeah, he had some kind of accident where his, like, his neck, he can't, I don't know the full story. Wow. Him. Uh, but it's a, it is a bizarre show. My God, 90 Day Fiance. And isn't it the one where they, the married on, on scene? Mm. Where they don't, they just meet and marry? No, that is, what's that one? I forgot what that one is, uh, Steve. That's, but there's another show like yeah. that. Uh, but th- this one, I think they have 90 days to get together and decide if they want to get married or something like that. That's ridiculous. Maybe, maybe it's like Unseen Fiance. I, I don't remember what the other one's called, but nonetheless. Um, anyhow, these are things to keep in mind that can lower your sex appeal. Uh-huh. You don't want that. Want to take a break? Stay with us. 
What's new? Why do you ask? Red Hot Chili Peppers. Billy Idol. Soraya. On 93.3 WMMR. We're excited to have our next guest on. And uh, outside of acting, he has a whole world of music. And is bringing that here to the Philadelphia area. It was just announced he's going to be playing Ardmore Music Hall on March 12th. It's a great venue. Tickets will go on sale tomorrow for the show. So please welcome Kiefer, William, Frederick, Dempsey, George, Rufus, Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> This morning. Thank you very much. What, Good morning. That's what the Wikipedia page calls you, Kiefer, but I, I had no idea you had so many middle names. Yeah, I think my father was in a lot of debt. Uh, <laughs> and I think he just kept telling people that I'll name my son after you if you forgive the bill. So wow. That well, that's fair. a way to approach like it. Plan. Uh, Kiefer, so a uh, question about the show at uh, Ardmore Music Hall. Is this a uh, full band? Is this you and a guitar, acoustic? What kind of show is it going to be? It's go- it's going to be acoustic. Um, so so part of the show is just going to be me, and then I have two fantastic special guests: Mark Copley, who's an extraordinary guitar player, uh, and Rocco DeLuca, who's going to be playing pedal steel and lap steel. Ooh, uh, it's a cool sound. What, pedal steel. Yeah, yeah, it is, and he's he's a phenomenal player as well. And and uh, but what I really enjoy about the show is it's so intimate, and 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 we get to kind of tell some stories about why I think these songs are worth you listening to in the first place and and uh, have a drink and play some songs. And, and it's just a really nice night to kind of come together, especially after the last two years. Yeah. So really, really looking forward to it. As a performer, as a uh, uh, a guy who I'm sure, you know, since you're uh, musically inclined, has probably played with bands and so on, you and a guitar, that's, that's pretty naked up on stage. Did it take a little while to get to that point and feel comfortable doing shows like that? I'm, I'm still not comfortable. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think one of the funny things, you know, as an actor, uh, if you get a little nervous, and I do, I, I use that nervous energy. You, you put your hands in your pocket if they start to shake a little. It doesn't work as well for a guitar player. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, and and look, if it does, I've I've always believed very strongly if it doesn't make you a little nervous, you should probably doing something else. Okay. Um, and and so. Yeah, for me now, it just kind of goes away after the first or second chord. Uh, but certainly waiting in the wings to go on stage, either as an actor or as as, as a player. Um, yeah, it uh, gets my adrenaline going. and. Cool. Um, and I, I, I hope it will feel like that till the day I die. Well, the album is, is called Bloor Street, and it's your third. And um, yeah, and it's it's funny. I know that uh, when you have somebody who's known for what you're known for, and you know, you take the foray into music. Of course, you're obviously going to be met with the initial, "Okay, what's this guy doing?" And and the truth of the matter is, as I was listening to a lot of the music, it's it's very good. And it's um, and also reading about your approach to it and your love of it and how visceral it is to you. Uh, you love your acting world as well, and in fact, during the the uh, the, sh- the lockdown and pandemic, uh, most of the the hardcore stuff, you were still busy. I think you did two movies and a, and a limited series. And uh, the question I have for you is: prior to the, that all happening, you wrote a couple of songs, and then you wrote the bulk of it during the pandemic. Would we be yeah. able to discern the songs that were written prior? That's a great question. I th- I think you would. Um, you know, I, I had such a 
profound kind of reaction to the lockdown. Uh, I've been moving at a mile a minute for the last 20 years. Uh, I don't think I've been home for more than three weeks for, wow. for the last 10 years. And so all of a sudden, I'm actually sitting in my house, and it's like, oh, wow, I, I actually like my house. And, <laughs> oh, cool, I actually like my dog. And, <laughs> and I like my girlfriend. And, wow, this is pretty cool. And so I, I became profoundly grateful. Uh, you know, I, I've had, I've been fortunate enough to have a career that people can only really dream of. Uh, I've been allowed to do things that I'm interested in and, uh, and I know that's not what everybody gets. So I just, a lot of the songs, whether it was songs like So Full of Love, you know, uh, if you had told me four years ago that I was going to write that song and write a song that was so positive, I'd have stabbed you in the heart with a pencil. I just wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> it would be hard. Um, it's hard to wrap your and, mind around it, yeah. And there I am sitting in the shower going, so full of love, I can't hold it. I'm like, who the is this guy? <laughs> um, so that was kind of my reaction to the pandemic. And I, and I don't want to minimize how difficult a time this has been for so many people. Um, but I was just, I was, I couldn't help but be really grateful for my family and my friends who I wasn't allowed to see like everybody else. And, and uh, it, it, it afforded me time to take stock in my own life and how lucky I have been. Well, I wanted to ask about uh, the title track, uh, Bloor Street, because um, I don't know at what point that, that song was written, but, you know, it seems to be a, uh, um, uh, a nostalgic look back at, uh, at a hometown. I get this kind of... Um, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen, my hometown, lyrically, uh, um, um, Main Street from uh, from Bob Seger, something. Bob like, Seger, one of my favorite songs. Yeah. And, and I've always loved that type of song. It can be talking about a, a, an existence, a, a place that I have no connection with growing up, but I still you connect, get, get an emotional connection to yeah. it. Is this indeed about uh, you know Toronto, your hometown? It, or, it okay. is. Bloor Street is the main thoroughfare through Toronto, going east and west. And we were shooting a television show there called Designated Survivor. And I hadn't been home. Uh, we were there for three years, and I hadn't been home for that long a period of time since I was maybe 16 years old. And I came upon this kind of main intersection in Toronto, Bloor Street and Young Street, and, and I realized all of my firsts had happened there. My first job at the food court in the Hudson Bay Center. Uh, my first meaningful kiss with a girl in front of the Bloor Street subway. Wow. Uh, I think the first fight I ever got in and lost uh, was, was on that corner. Um, you know, so I just got very nostalgic and, and, uh, and just started writing really about how grateful I was that I could grow up in that town, which afforded us a kind of freedom uh, that I certainly know that my kids and my grandkids did not experience. We were on the subway at 11 years old. I mean, who would do that now? Right, uh, right. You you know, you're saying so much that's true because that is, I, I actually am, it's been a while since I've been back to the town I was raised in. It's been uh, 20 plus years. And, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm at that point where I want to go back because it does mean something. And, you know, those uh, you pick those hallmark, benchmark moments in your life, and that does mean something. And and you need to reconnect. I agree with what Preston was saying about songs that do that. So much of what you you uh, you write about with this album has a, a resonance to your to your experience. Two stepping in time is 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 kind of a just a real love song. And I yeah. assume it's written for your girlfriend, correct? It is. Yeah. It is. And uh, a friend of mine uh, who I was recording with kind of, uh, and I was writing a lot of songs. I was being kind of prolific at this moment. And he said, you should really write a waltz. And I started on the guitar, literally sitting around the kitchen island, 
Uh, and I was going through a kind of thing as a writer where I, uh, I wanted to write about what was in front of me. And I, and, and I think the very first line of the song uh, is cigarettes in the ashtrays all in a line, empty glasses of whiskey show the passage of time. And, and those were the items that were, mm. in fact, right in front of me. Uh, I have since quit smoking. Uh, <laughs> the one thing that I can thank the pandemic for. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, and, and then, so the guy was sitting to my right and my girlfriend was sitting a little farther down <laughs> the kitchen island. I figured I should start writing towards her instead of him <laughs> if I wanted to have a good evening. Did you, and, uh, did you and write I just, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I just, did you write that song quickly? I, I was reading, uh, yes, it, it, like 20 it, minutes, it, I think, right? Every once in a while, songs kind of write themselves, and and uh, this one was, was certainly that. Uh, it was, and it was finished because we were actually having a nice evening, and my friend had kind of put this task in front of me, and I wanted to go back to having our nice evening, so this song got written very quickly. <laughs> uh, but it is. It's, it's a love song. Again, not something that I spend a lot of time kind of doing. I don't write a lot of love songs. Um, so when, when something like that happens... Um, you know, that's a great kind of song to put in your pocket and take with you. It's interesting to read that you um, consider the, the, the touring, and you haven't had a chance to do a lot of touring over, obviously, the past the past couple of years. But I think you run contrary to a lot of people who create music and say that, that the process of touring is sort of a detriment to creating songs. And you, on the other hand, find it very um, helpful, and uh, it informs your, your songwriting. Would that be correct to say that? Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, in the three years that we were doing Designated Survivor, we played over 500 shows. Um, wow. You know, uh, I remember on the second record writing songs that were specifically designed to enhance our set list. Um, the live thing is something that I just uh, caught me by surprise. I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I have. Uh, and, and I think that there's an amazing moment, or possibility at least, when you explain why you wrote a song, and uh, I wrote a song called Saskatchewan about the passing of my mother. Mm -hmm. And there were times when I would play that song and I could see someone put their arm around a friend in the audience. And mm -hmm. I could realize at that moment that that person's going through something similar. Wow. When we can come together and realize that we've got these things in common and that we're going through this thing together, uh, that's a great night. I mean, uh, that's that's a good evening. Um, and so it's it's something that's, made a deep impression on me uh, and hopefully for the people that I, we get to play for. Kiefer, I want to ask you about your voice work over the years because you've done some narration, you've done uh, animated movies. I, I loved you in Monsters vs. Aliens. <laughs> I, the, the warmonger character was terrific. You've done, you know, The Simpsons you. and and and, uh, and narrated a few over the a few other things over the years. Um, does that lend itself to your ability to sing, perform on stage? Do you get training from doing narration or voice voice work uh, that you can then bring to your music career, or are they entirely separate? They they are pretty pretty separate. Uh, you know, the, the voiceover work started actually for me in a very funny way. My dad was doing commercials back in the early '90s for Volvo, mm -hmm. uh, and I think one evening he whispered in my ear what they were paying him. <laughs> I think literally, uh, I think the next day I called up Volvo and told them I did a really good Donald Sutherland. I'd do it for half the money. Um, Undercutting you know, your dad. Which I don't think he really appreciated. I thought it was a lot funnier than he did. Um, but it's it's, 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 its own it's its own thing. I mean, when I think of someone like Mel Blanc, who did all of those oh, cartoons, 
cartoon voices yeah. and which, you know, Monsters versus Aliens. Uh, that's, I mean, I hope I don't get sued for this, but I completely ripped off Yosemite Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Bring on a fearless freak. I hate rabbits. <laughs> yeah. And... And but it's it's an awful lot of fun and, and it and it takes you back to being a kid and, and just loving cartoons and listening to cartoons and uh so it is a lot of fun to do. But they're very, very separate kind of entities. You um have lived a very, very interesting and full life, uh and obviously voiceover actor, actor, musician, but you're kind of a cowboy too. You've uh competed in rodeos and have won roping championships. What's that and do you still do that? Um, I do not. Uh, I think 24 kind of put an end to that. I'd been doing it for a decade, and I, I, I had two partners that I would rodeo with, one guy named John English, uh, just an amazing all-round cowboy, and a guy named Mike Wolf, who has since passed. Um, really just really loved it. I mean, it was kind of like being in a band. You and about three other cowboys kind of load your horses up onto a trailer and, and go from town to town, you know, doing rodeo after rodeo. Uh we had more fun than we probably should have. Um, and, and it was a great, great experience. And it was so nice to do something kind of different. It, uh, you know, I did that for about a decade. And, it, and I did films at that time. Um, but it was a great kind of refresher because when I went and started 24, that was going to be a whole very intense decade of just doing that show. So, so the rodeo actually kind of helped cleanse my palate, if you will, for, for a lot of work. And uh, I enjoyed it immensely. And I got to see parts of America that I don't think I would normally have seen. Right, right. I, I wanted to, to go back to the to the songwriting and, and, and having songs kind of just present themselves to you and, uh, you, you know, uh, you know, a two-stepping in time and having it be so quick and present itself and you write it. Uh, did you get a chance to see the Peter Jackson Beatles documentary? Uh, the, the, I sure did, I yeah. mean, for you, yeah. that had to be, as it was for us, to see the creation of songs that have become so iconic, what a mind blower. Yeah, it's, I mean, to have Ringo Starr kind of doing an interview saying, you know, I could just listen to Paul play piano for an hour. <laughs> and in the background, Paul's working out the opening chords for Let It Be. I mean, are, you, yeah. are, you, are you kidding me? Um, you know, one of the greatest just, songs ever written coming to life right but what, It's insane. But what's really, really funny is kind of as iconic as they are, there's always going to be something really personal that you watch in a, in a movie like that, especially one that's documented six hours. My phone rang off the hook somewhere in the third episode when they all started drinking J&B scotch. <laughs> now, J&B scotch is certainly now not considered to be very highbrow on any level, and you'd have to find a pretty dirty bar to find a bottle of it yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, I've been... That that was always kind of my drink of choice for a number of years. And uh, and literally the fact that they had all drank it together, kind of sitting on the floor working out, <laughs> you know, the long and winding road yeah. uh, somehow gave gave the beverage validity. <laughs> my friends finally, after 20 years of drinking this, will have forgiven me. It's good enough for the Yeah, If John Lennon could drink it. And, and apparently I make the same kind of disgusted face <laughs> that John Lennon makes when he takes that first pull. Yeah, that's so great. That's we great. laughed about that. If you're just tuning in, it's Kiefer Sutherland that we're speaking to. His album is called Bloor Street, and he's going to be performing at uh, Ardmore Music Hall coming up on March 12th. Tickets uh, go on sale, I believe, tomorrow, by the way. 
Um, and and I didn't even realize this is a bizarre coincidence, uh, Kiefer. I, I right before you came on, I, I go to Casey. I go, oh my god. I'm wearing my Castle Rock Manger. There you are, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and you were Ace Merrill in Stand by Me, who lived in Castle Rock. It's my favorite like, movie. Uh, of it's all Casey's time. favorite movie of all time. And, and I oh, wanted to ask you about that character and other characters in, in your acting career because that one was earlier earlier on in your career, and he was so nasty and so mean um, yeah. that that as you've gone through and and formed other characters, if you've ever gone, I think I'll throw a little ace in there, or or do do you do that? Do you mix and match and borrow pieces from characters and maybe put them to construct others together? No, they they kind of each character is inspired and informed by the script uh, that you have in front of you and the experiences that you've had as a human being up until that point. Um, the thing, I mean. The thing that I've always been amazed about with films like Stand By Me that I've been so lucky to be a part of was the seemingly unaware I was that it was great, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, I, just, I just, when I look back, I think, man, you have been lucky because, you know, when I first read that script, I, you know, it was just a job. I didn't think something, it was going to turn into this amazing thing that Rob Reiner and the other kids turned it into. So I've been very fortunate to be along for the ride on some of these things. And I also remember it's the first and only time the, that I went on an audition where I was hired in the room. Mm. Oh. Uh, and, and that was Rob Reiner. And that was like wow. the most incredible feeling to go in for a meeting. And then by the time you're going back to your car in the parking lot, you've actually got the job. Yeah. Um, no callbacks. You know. No, we'll get in touch. None of that. Just no, no, it was, I, I was just, I, I think it kind of, I think it almost made me cry when I was a kid. I mean, it was just because it was such an important thing to get the first couple jobs down yeah. here in the States. And, and, uh, and I'll always be grateful for Rob for doing that. Wow. And that movie has, uh, has has hit me in, you know, different ways over the years. Because I first watched it as a child. And, you know, there were things about the movie that I didn't get or understand because I was a kid at the time. And, you know, you're seeing these four kids, uh, you know, going on this amazing journey. And then all of a sudden at the end, like... They're not friends anymore. Like, they, they went to middle school and then, you yeah. know, as an adult. Yeah. And I actually have a friend of mine. I was just talking to him about it on Sunday. He, I went to kindergarten with this guy. And we're still friends to this day. But we were lamenting over the fact that, like, there were people on our last day of eighth grade. That was the last, day, last time I ever saw them. And, yeah. you know, so yeah. th these are aspects of, of these child's lives that Stephen King was well aware of mm -hmm. as, as an adult. And so I just, it's my favorite movie and it has always been, will always be my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Well, it's certainly one of my favorite to have made because I was so young again. But all of a sudden, you know, I'm in Eugene, Oregon. I've got my own hotel room. I'm being paid. Uh -huh. uh, I'm 17 years old. Uh, this has nothing to do with my parents. Uh, for all of those reasons, you know, again, talking about the firsts yeah. that you do in your life. <laughs> Um, you know, it was just, it was an incredibly, incredibly exciting time. As you, um, as you move from through your career... And I mean, it's an amazing career, uh, it, you Thank know, you. on the screen because you've played you've played William Burroughs and <laughs> Jack Bauer, uh, you know, which which are as you know, author of the Naked Lunch and and one of the great action guys of all time, um, you, you know. And, and I know you have a very good work ethic, and the, and the mindset early on was to just get the role, get the role, get the role. But as you were able to have some impact and weight and make the selections. What informed what you chose throughout your career? Just whatever moves you. Uh, it's 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 not more complicated than, than someone picking up up a book and and 
for whatever reason, this book moves them and makes them, uh, inspires them more than, than, than the other book. Uh, so, so generally if, if, if I'm reading a script and I can't put it down, it's going to be something I'm interested in doing. Um, you know, uh, and having said that I've made close to a hundred films, so I've, I've made mistakes. Um, uh, there, there are a couple films I'm sure that, that, that I read that I didn't understand. And when I see the movie, I'm like, how did you not get that? Yeah. Uh, is, that, is, that a, is that a liability? You, of, uh, and you mentioned, you know, you didn't realize what you had with Stand By Me. Mm-hmm. I, I would think it'd be hard for an actor who's doing the job to be in it surrounded by all of this stuff that's going on and to be very aware, completely aware of how something is turning out. Is, is that? Yes, I mean, there's a very fair statement. I mean, uh... You know, and, I, and and there's some people that are clearly must be better at it. Like, I think Tom Hanks must have some inner gene that's like, <laughs> this is going to be a huge hit because he keeps making it. <laughs> um, you know, um, I wasn't I wasn't given that gene. And, I, and And, you know, having said that, you know, so many things need to go right for a film or a play to work or for a song or an album to work. Uh, and... and and for instance, 24 was a perfect example. Uh, you know, it was my first foray into television. Uh, and and for those out, out there that don't know, you make a pilot, you make the first episode, and then if it gets picked up, uh, you then go make the first season. But if it doesn't, you still get paid. Right. Uh, and, when, you know, I, I thought the likelihood of 24 getting picked up was pretty minimal. So... So I thought, you know, I'll go do the pilot. It won't get picked up. I'll still get paid. No one will know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, it was the luckiest gift I've ever had as an actor and did it for a decade. So, wow. so I don't know. If, if any of your kids want to get into film, probably the best bet is to not send me the script and ask me what I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, two real quick things, Kiefer. Uh, my mom drinks J&B, so you're not alone. You, my mom, and the Beatles. And uh, you do play a great dick because in, in A Few Good Men, you were really not likable at all. And, and you pulled it off successfully. I think you're a really likable person. I'm loving this conversation with you. But that movie, was it fun to be kind of a villain in, in that movie? Well, it's, you know, it, it, it's... Those characters, and especially by design, like Ace Merrill and Lieutenant Kendrick and A Few Good Men, they're just designed to be that. There's, there's no real depth to them. There's kind of a black and white character that's that this is who you're against. Yeah. Um, and, and so the, the fact that they are so pointed as characters makes them very fun because you just all your energy goes into that. There's no complex layering. He's just, uh, <laughs> as you said on your radio station, he's a dick. Uh, you know, so lean into it. Yeah, that makes total <laughs> sense. So that's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be. All right, well, listen, Kiefer, we know you got to run. This has been so much fun to talk to you. We really appreciate it and excited about the fact that you're coming into Philadelphia. Uh, Kiefer's show is going to be at the Ardmore Music Hall. It's on March 12th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. at Ardmore music.com the album is called blur street some great music it's got a country vibe to it if that's your thing then you're definitely on board yeah it, so. it's it's very very solid yeah so thanks so well, much thank man. man thank you guys so much and steve i believe it's your happy happy birthday so no it's preston but thank you but i get oh, one man, i'm I get... so sorry but happy happy birthday thank you i appreciate it keeper <laughs> good luck with everything Cheers. thank you so much we appreciate it keeper sutherland wow
And oh there's so God. much more that we could have covered. Oh, even we, we, we could have gone another hour. Yeah. Uh, just talking to him about uh, about all his uh, his movies, He's, it, it, TV it's, shows. It's still an interesting thing though because you have a, a guy who's you know of the vast movie career, but but uh, he is passionate about the music and yep. he really is sinking a lot into it. And if yeah. if you do give it a listen, I mean, uh, you you did mention a little a little bit of Springsteen esque. I, there's even a bit I think of Warren Zevon, and there's uh, and it, it's it's personal and and he does a good job relaying that through the music. I meant to and wanted to ask him about. He played performed at uh, the company's. Um uh, Christmas party. Uh, we weren't at that, but it was uh, you know like for like national sales and. No, you didn't want to bring. Yeah, that were up. you in here when we were talking? <laughs> well, no, no. So that. I wanted to ask about Matt. Ka- so Matt Cowper was the uh, organizer. He was the uh, master of ceremonies, and he oh, wore oh, a bright right. red. I saw you in Stand by Me. That was sick. <laughs> was that was that dead body real? Played Ace. You played Ace. That was sick. <laughs> Oh my God! Are there really a few good men, or is there just one good man? <laughs> what sick? Were the boys really lost? Wait, he was wearing a, a red outfit, a, a red, red blazer, like yeah, like almost blazer. like a Santa Claus, but but is you know fitted oh. perfectly to or imperfectly to his body. I had a tailor made. <laughs> so can show my V. <laughs> sick. <laughs> Your V. <feet. laughs> Uh, Casey, I was glad you got to bring up Stand By Me because I think now we've we've uh, you've been able to ask Rob Reiner, Will Wheaton, um, Will Wheaton, Will Wheaton, <laughs> Jerry O'Connell, yep, uh, now Kiefer, uh, Corey, probably Corey Feldman Melvin, at some so, point because yeah. we've had him on, we had him in studio uh, back in. No, but our, you could have asked Reed River Phoenix if he was still alive. Do, oh, by the way, covered everybody on. Uh, I think it's Hulu. Hulu has a, a series. It's a Vice series, and they touch on the. There's a whole um, episode on. River Phoenix, uh, the Viper Room. I heard about, and, yeah, yeah. I heard it's, it's actually, really good. It's really, really I'll, good. I'll tell you the thing about Stand By Me, and then there are other movies like that, that you watch it and, and um, you, you dread almost the end of Stand By Me because, and it's a wonderful thing and it's the way life works, but the sadness of what, yeah. Of what you had and the what... The Sandlot, things like that. It's the way things are. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. that, it's what's important to yeah. you as a kid at that right. time. I mean, there's a, and it means everything. They're sitting around the fire and he goes, we talked about things that are important to kids at that time. Yeah. You know, yeah. what's your favorite uh, cover, uh, flavor Pez, you know, yeah. or Pez, candy Pez. and stuff like that. And, and it's... Um, uh, it's just a simpler time that's great to reminisce about right. and, and, and that's done so lovingly, lovingly well. Uh, in that movie. So it's cool. I'm glad he had noticed. I said, yeah, I'm wearing my Castle Rock shirt. He's like, yeah, I noticed. Very cool, man. Yeah, he was awesome. awesome. Great guy. Great guest. I'd love yep. to get him on again. All right. Be back in a moment. Stay with us. Not only can you hear Preston and Steve, you can see him too. Check out the Weekly Rush on Xfinity On Demand. New episodes? You guessed it. Weekly. Hey, Window Nation brings the best of the home show savings right into your home. You can get two free windows with every two you buy with no limit, plus pay no interest for 60 months. Go to windownation.com slash home show and use their free virtual visualizer to see how their window options will look on your home. But hurry, these once a year home show savings end soon. Get two windows free with every two you buy and pay no interest for five full years. Call today, 866-90NATION or go to windownation.com slash home show. Now, back with more of the Preston and Steve Show podcast. Now, Bizarre. WMMR presents Preston and Steve's Bizarre Final. An American tourist, uh, possibly from Pennsylvania, that's what I had heard on the news, was killed by a shark attack in the Bahamas. Uh, the woman whose name is not released was snorkeling with a group of five to seven relatives when she was attacked by a bull shark. 
Uh, the area is about a half mile northwest of Rose Island, a private island off the coast of Nassau. The woman, who officials said was 58, had no vital signs after the attack. She arrived in the Bahamas via a cruise ship on Tuesday morning, and a private tour uh, boat took her to group snorkeling. Uh, off of Rose Island, and family members actually saw the attack happen. It's just horrible. Along with the tour operator, they pulled her from the water, took her uh, fr- uh, by boat to Fort Mon- Montague in on Nassau, and the area of the attack was cordoned off and closed indefinitely to snorkelers. Uh, so, yeah, she didn't make it horrible. So, I, I'm not that familiar with this, but I, I am, you know, kind of interested in, in shark attacks around the world and, and mm-hmm. the, the data relating to that. I don't consider that area an active attack area. Well, they uh, said it was. There was somebody, uh, a 21-year-old, who was killed in that same area. But yeah, I mean, in 2018. Yeah. Right, but I mean, overall, what, you know, you always think, you, you don't hear a lot of stories coming out of the Caribbean in that area that... Right? Or am I crazy? Am I just I know. blocking it out? Uh, bull sharks are one of the most common when it comes to unprovoked attacks on humans. Uh, they're large, capable of inflicting serious injuries, commonly found in areas where humans enter the water and have teeth designed to shear rather than hold. So it's just the worst of all right there. A chimpanzee that escaped from a Ukrainian zoo was returned to the facility on a zookeeper's bike. Did you see this? Yeah, I did. Uh, (laughs) Officials at uh, Kharkiv Zoo said the chimpanzee named Chichi uh, had escaped from the facility Monday and wandered nearby streets to a local park. Zookeepers followed the primate and Chichi approached one of the workers when it started to rain. Uh, The zookeeper put a yellow raincoat on the chimp and wheeled her back to the zoo on the seat of a bicycle. Could you do me a favor and play Fleetwood Mac? Uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The chimp's bike ride was caught on camera by witnesses, and the method of Chi-Chi's escape was unclear. Uh, Chi-Chi. Yes, thank you very much. (laughs) Favorite American band, though. They're part... Some from England, I guess. I'm not familiar much with story, but the music suits me. <laughs> it really helps you relax. It does it? very much. So. Uh, Chichi was one of uh, numerous animals evacuated earlier in the Russian invasion from uh, Feldman Eco Park, an outdoor zoo in the uh, Kharkiv region. I wish Stevie and Lindsay could patch up their differences. That was uh, determined to be dangerously close to targets in uh, Russian shelling. More than 100 animals and multiple employees and volunteers died as a result of Russian bombs before the zoo was evacuated. Wow. But they got this one back safe and sound. Here's another animal story. Southern California has been plagued with tiny, aggressive sea bugs that eat human feet. And I hate sea bugs that eat human feet. And now scientists finally identify the hungry culprit that has left many beachgoers in pain. Scientists identify the bugs as waterline isopods, officially known as excrecolona Chiltoni, nicknamed mini sharks. These tiny crustaceans can grow to about 0.3 inches long and can form swarms of more than a thousand bugs. Do we have them in this area? Not that I know of. The isopods tend to live in the shallow waters of the Pacific Ocean. Okay, and this is the Atlantic here, right? Yes, it is. They seasonally migrate up and down the coast in search of food. Now, the mini shark tends to go after human feet. Biting into flesh and sucking blood, like the animal itself. It bites. Uh, the bites tend to be small. We're gonna I'll, need a smaller boat. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> That's a Jaws joke. We're gonna need a smaller boat. <laughs> I get it. However.
However, individuals bitten by the crustacean <laughs> bitten by the crustacean can experience sharp pain. People attacked by the isopods describe the bite as being painful and surprising, noting how the bugs look like a group of tiny piranhas had attacked their feet and ankles. Those attacked noted that the pain faded after 15 to 20 minutes. Now, listen to what the experts recommend you do. The experts recommend that beachgoers rapidly shuffle their feet (laughs) to reduce the number of bites, although beachgoers are still likely to be bitten. So just keep shuffling. You're the Charleston, right? That'll keep the the biting to the minimum (laughs) while you're in the ocean. Wow. Man. I I hate you go to the beach and you get bit by things. What is that? You know, I hate that. All right, here's one of these stories. These are always messed up stories. A toddler was declared dead by doctors, but relatives at her funeral later realized she was, in fact, alive. Camila Roxana Martinez Mendoza, who was three years old, was taken to the hospital in the central Mexican state of San Luis Potosi uh, to be treated for dehydration. She was released from the hospital, but soon became unwell again. Her parents took her back to the hospital, where her family claimed the doctors were negligent. The family, in a lawsuit, said the hospital staff was slow to give uh, Mendoza, an IV drip, and oxygen. It later declared the child was dead. The mother said um, they she was still hugging me, and they took her away and oh. told me you have to let her rest in peace. Oh, my God. And so at her funeral, uh, the mother noticed condensation on her daughter's glass casket. When she told mourners that her daughter was still breathing, uh, she was told that grief was causing her to hallucinate. Uh, Mendoza's grandmother then noticed that the three-year-old's eyes were moving she had a heart rate of 97 beats per minute. The toddler was rushed to the hospital in an ambulance, which reports say her heart rate was rapidly dropped. She was later declared dead for a second Jeez. time. Probably could have saved this kid. Dear God. That's just, huh. The first cause of death was listed as dehydration. The second was cerebral edema, which is brain swelling. So that's messed up. All right, we can't end on no. that one. So let's go with something a little bit lighter. Uh, all right, yeah. Um, as in Tennessee, a man was arrested after a woman told police he was pleasuring himself outside her window while charging his phone in an outdoor outlet at her house. Uh, yeah. Oh, so he's, you know. So I was charging my phone. I thought I'd smack it around a bit. Uh, police responded to a home at approximately 1125 a.m. Are you going to get the new iPhone? Once on the scene, officers said they saw Enrico Corr laying on the ground with his pants down. <laughs> Uh, the homeowner told police Hi, how are you? <laughs> that Carr was outside of her house, pleasuring himself in fuel, full view from a bedroom window. Uh, he was also accused of charging his phone in an outlet during the same time. Uh, adding insult to injury. Yeah. yeah. Perverts that steal your electricity. Uh, Carr was arrested and charged with public indecency after that. All right, and there you go. That is what I have in the bizarre file. We'll be back in a moment. Entertainment lace up those skates for Delco's award winning winter attraction. The Energy Transfer Veterans Memorial Ice Skating Rink opened now through February in Edgemont, PA. 
Book your skate day today at flightonice.com. What's up this morning, Steve? Well, Kate Blanchett listed the things she found sexiest about Nightmare Alley co-star Bradley Cooper putting his eyes at number one. At number two, Blanchett admired how hard he works on his friendship with, oh my God, the Preston and Steve show. Oh. Hey. <laughs> Twelve years after her death, Whitney Houston is making history with her cover of I Will Always Love You being certified diamond by the IRIAA. Whitney was apparently floored by the milestone, commenting, gur, gur, his brains. Oh, no. oh my God. God. <laughs> and finally, Microsoft announcing that it has officially stopped manufacturing all Xbox One consoles in favor of newer consoles. This is a full nine years after the Xbox One debuted in 2013 and six years after they all randomly stopped working. Yeah. <laughs> That's your hard work. Apples are crisp. They sure are. By the way, I discovered a new Apple uh, uh, at a supermarket recently called the Sweet Tango. Sweet Tango, which has oh. become my favorite Apple now. It almost tastes kind of like a little bit like a pear. Uh, and Casey and I are Apple guys. Like, we, we yeah. compare our apples and, and our uh, taste. And, <laughs> no, no, I mean, we... Uh, <laughs> I'm a Honeycrisp guy, though. I, yeah, you're a diehard Honeycrisper, yep. and I, I usually get Honeycrisp. Sometimes they're a little tart. Just a little smidge tart. A little slutty. And the Sweet Tango is... <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. I'm in love with it's it. amazing what they're able to do now. They, it is. I remember the apples you brought in that tasted like grapes. Yeah. Those the were grapples. sensational. Or grapples, those were. Whatever called. the hell. Anyway, yeah. hey, we're sitting here talking about food. We got a food expert on. Yeah. Yeah. Ready to go. Uh, he is on to speak about a couple of things. Number one, he's got a book out. And he's got a show coming up in the Philly area, November 10th at the Keswick Theater. Please welcome Phil Rosenthal. Yeah. Hey. How are you guys? Hey, how you doing, Phil? Good to see you. Nice How's to life? see you. Oh, it's great, man. And by the way, I just want to make sure I hit the um, title of the book. It's called Somebody Feed Phil, uh, the, book, the Book, Untold Stories, Behind the Scenes, Photos, and Favorite Recipes, a cookbook as well. It's available now. And you uh, shot some of your current season here in Philadelphia. It dropped yesterday. It's on right now. It's the first episode of the season because it's so damn good because <laughs> Philly is so damn good. Yeah. I'm so proud of it. Uh, you know, I my wife is from Philly, so I have a nice connection. Yeah, we, uh, we're here. She's a Delco gal, right? That's right. And and uh, she's all over the episode. She's kind of my tour guide. But listen, there's so many new great things in Philly that you know we were both uh, kind of tourists. Yeah, uh, it was nice. fantastic. I mean, the food scene in Philly right now. I'd put up with anywhere in the world. Yes. Wow. Yes. Agreed. And that's, it's the thing that more and more people are starting to realize uh, that there is such a phenomenal, and it, it's, it goes all the way up to the gourmet restaurants. That's right. Down to world-class food trucks. Not saying you that that's it. going down, but there's no, something for everyone. Yeah. It's amazing. Phil. Listen, there's a, have you guys been, I'm sure you've been to Pizzeria Badia. Mm-hmm. Marissa, Marissa is our restaurant tour. I have to jump in here, Phil, because these, these guys don't know this, but I actually skipped the first two innings of the Phillies playoff game last night so I could watch your episode and I took notes. Oh, <laughs> I love you. I love you too. I, all I wanted was for was for beautiful girls in school <laughs> to skip sports and look at me. Revenge of the nerd. Uh, all right, so about the pizza, uh, what were you going to say about that? Well, what I was going to say, I think she already knows it. Did you know about that room? The, the, the hoagie, hoagie room. 
the hoagie omakase room. Please explain. Yeah. You want to explain it? Well, sure. So uh, it, Joe Badia is a, uh, a pizza maker. He used to have this little uh, little shop that you would have to like go and order your dough hours ahead of time. You would come back later. That's right. And... Um, he opened up a restaurant uh, just called Badia a couple of years ago, and now in the back room is this secret hoagie room, and you you pay a set price, and he makes hoagies, and he actually slices the meat right there, and it's kind of like an omakase sushi where you're standing where you're eating with the, with the chef, and they're making the sushi. Oh, that's for you pretty right cool. There and that tuna fish hoagie that you ate with Shola and uh, I forget who I guess Joe was in the room with you. It looked delicious. I actually made myself a tuna fish sandwich afterwards. It tasted nothing like yours, but I was so inspired. That's the best tuna sandwich I ever had in my life. Wow. The veggie hoagie. And you don't get an entire one. We're yeah. not animals. <laughs> <laughs> the room seats six people. You know that they bake the bread for the hoagie specifically for that room. You can't get that bread out in the restaurant. <laughs> this is the bread, the hoagie bread. And the guy is slicing, so you start out with a piece of a veggie hoagie, then you move on to the tuna one, and then you get the, you know, the grandmaster Italian one with all the meats and cheeses. And then unlimited pizza comes in the room. You're pretty dead by then. <laughs> that you is have a, to be a circus freak to eat more than one slice of pizza. But then all the surf, soft serve you can eat. Oh, oh wow. Did hey. you get the butter beans? Did I? Not there, no. All right, go back. But I've had them, I think I've had them in the pizzeria. He's great. But there's so many things. There's so many. Tell the people. You watch. Oh, yeah. Okay, I can run it down. You went. You started with Reading Terminal, where you went with your wife and her friends. The best. It's a must. Preston, you have to watch this episode. Okay. Phil goes into Shola's backyard. He has this little oasis in the middle of the city, and he cooks on really high heat. He puts yeah. um, uh, octopus on the grill, doesn't even grease the grill because it's so hot. It cooks in like 30 seconds, and it wow. doesn't even stick yes. to the grill. Okay. And then It like, was the one time we've shown like cooking in real time because it was that fast. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's so many I can run down them quickly. Laser Wolf, South Philly Barbacoa, Delisandro with a mm. amazing surprise that I won't give away. <laughs> John's Roast Pork, uh, Badia, Fiorello, Angelo's, Franklin Fountain. Good Col- Lord, how long were you in town? <laughs> yeah, That's all one day. Why? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We were here. A, we were here a week. Okay. And and you know the show is less than an hour, and everybody says, "How do you eat so much?" Because you know how they make a dog food commercial. Yeah. They don't feed the dog until the commercial. <laughs> so I'm the dog. And I don't eat until the camera rolls. And I'd say a very good diet for people is have three cameras on you when you eat. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, I got to assume at this point, with the success of the show... You know, and uh, we we have a, a number of the 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 the, the food uh, the, the high profile celebrity chefs, and they they come to the area. But I mean, um, with you, you have to you're constantly being courted. I'm sure by different places, different uh, t- tourism boards. I'm sure you're getting hit up by everyone because you put your stamp on something. It's going to make a big difference. Uh, that's true, and it's very nice. And I I love it. All I can say is I'm out to make the place look good because my whole mission is to get you to travel. Right. I think the world would be better if we all could experience a little bit more of other people's experiences, right? Yeah. So, and I also want people in America to know the great stuff we have here, like in Philly. 
Yeah, Phil, I, I've been a fan of yours for a long time, and I love your, your mission statement with all that. I, I really loved Anthony Bourdain's show, um, and he, yes. he traveled and saw some amazing places. Um, but what you bring to the show is a little bit different than what Anthony did, and I think that in large part, it's happiness. I mean, you take happiness everywhere you go, and, and I don't mean that as a slight to what Anthony Bourdain did. I'm just so amazed at your ability to make other people smile, to enjoy the experience as much as possible, and really just to bring people together over the thing that we all love, which is food. Aren't you nice? I, I, uh, this is how I sold the show. You ready? I said this one thing. I said, I'm exactly like Anthony Bourdain if he was afraid of everything. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. I get where you're coming from. He, yeah, that, he was, he was adventurous, um, you know. Yes, a superhero. A superhero-like, and um, yes. I'm not so sure that, uh, you know, the, the, the vast majority of the audience would, would, um, would follow him on some of these journeys, but you... That was me. Yeah. I yeah. thought, he's amazing. I'm never doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there were, you know, schmoes like me sitting on the couch too. Right. And, and, and they look at me and they go, oh, if that putz can go outside, maybe I can. <laughs> uh, so, Phil, did your wife take in any, uh, any of her haunts, like, off off camera uh, while you guys were here? Did she take it anywhere? Cause, yeah, like... off camera. Her haunts are her mother's house. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I go. All right, because she's when from she's Darby. We call uh, people from Darby, we call them Darbarians. I don't know if she's ever said that to you or not, but uh, call this her Darbarian. This is the first I've heard that. <laughs> yeah. I have a new name for her. Darbarians. <laughs> but there's a, a, yeah, there's a famous uh, cheesesteak shop called Leo's that's uh, right down oh. the street from where she grew up. So I wasn't sure if maybe she I took wonder, you there I'm going to ask her today if she knows it. Leo's? Uh, okay. Leo's, yeah. Hey, Phil. Man, but man, I go to Dallas Andrews, I go to John's Roast Pork. You know, people outside of Philly, they hear John's roast pork and they think that's what they have. They don't realize they have one of the best cheesesteaks in the world. Yeah. Hey, I, right? wanted, I wanted to ask about the uh, uh, the book, Phil. It's uh, you know, obviously you've got stories, you've got photos, as it mentions, and yes. also also recipes. Are, are yes. these uh, recipes from uh, the dishes that you've yes. seen and you've gotten them from the chefs themselves? That's what makes this maybe the best cookbook in the world because okay. it's 60 of the most requested recipes from the fans of the first four seasons of the show. So that means 60 chefs of the best chefs from the world have given us their best recipes. Wow. It's worth getting just for that. I, You know, the best part of the book, I have nothing to do with. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, I saw you on uh, on Colbert uh, last week or the week before. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, it looked like it was a lot of fun. And uh, you guys cracked open a bottle of wine and uh, had some wine on, on set and had some... He brought it. Oh, and he, he brought, brought it. For people, yeah, I brought the sandwiches. He brought the one. I didn't know he was going to bring one. No. And he wanted it to be good. Isn't he sweet? And, and uh, you know, for people who think, oh, they're not really drinking. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't mind, could you share a little bit of that Johnny Carson story that you told uh, Colbert on, on the show that night? Well, I, I, I wrote for President Clinton for all eight years, and I made this little comedy video for the White House Correspondence Dinner that I co-wrote with people from the White House, and then I got to go to the White House and direct the president in this comedy video. And this was a new thing. You know, presidents of the United States hadn't made intentionally comic videos right. ever. You know, we're used to it now with Obama doing Between Two Ferns and all this. So this was the first time, and when people saw this, it was a big deal because he was, Clinton was really good. You can see it if you want. It's called the final days. Oh, I've seen it. It's outstanding. Yes. He, uh, oh, Kev, Kevin Spacey makes an appearance that's in right. it. That's right. He makes a little I appearance. I yes. loved that, Phil. I had no idea you did that. Oh, oh, that's great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So my friend calls me the next day 
And he says, a friend of his saw the video and would like to have lunch with you. I said, who's your friend? He said, Johnny Carson. <laughs> <laughs> now, Johnny Carson, this was the year 2000. The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson ended eight years before that. Nobody had seen Johnny. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, holy cow, I got to go. I got to go to lunch. And I said, can I bring someone? They said, well, that's kind of ballsy to bring somebody. And I said, but, you know, to me, it's Johnny Carson, the king of late night TV. But to my friend, a comedian, this is God. So I brought Ray Romano. Uh -huh. And they let me bring him. And we spent two hours with Johnny. Mm -hmm. And it was absolutely fantastic. He was so nice. Well, you know, you, you, I, I think food has served as the background for a lot of things that happened yes. to you in your life. I believe you were you had a lunch quasi date with Ray Romano to see if you guys that's would exactly hit it off, right. and that's yes. how you determined you guys would jibe well for Everybody Loves Raymond. Here's what I say: food is the great connector, and then laughs are the cement. Yeah, I like that. That's great. Yeah, right. I, yeah, I want to ask you a question about uh, everybody loves Raymond uh, because there there was an episode where the the wooden fork and spoon in the background. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about, Preston? Yeah. Uh, it it um, hanging on the wall. Hanging on yeah. the wall. It had been there for you know a, a, a few seasons, and then finally. It was given a backstory, and I wasn't That's sure right. if there was a backstory to that backstory. We, you know, it was part of the original set decoration, and I think the the, the show you're thinking about was called uh, Baggage, mm -hmm. about the Ray and Deborah not being the one to move the suitcase once they came home from vacation. And yeah, they kind of right. had this Mexican standoff. Who's yeah. going to move the suitcase? <laughs> and it just escalated, escalated, escalated. And finally, Ray was going out of town, and he was so angry that Deborah hadn't moved the suitcase that he put a big hunkin' piece of blue cheese in the suitcase <laughs> so that when he left, it would stink up the house, right? <laughs> and I think Marie came over the mom and said to Deborah when they found the cheese, oh my goodness, you know, and she got the the fight out of her. She found out what the fight was about. And she's let me tell you a story. You see that big fork and spoon on the in the wall in my kitchen? Mm -hmm. She said that was a a terrible wedding present. And he said he was gonna return it and he didn't. And I he thought I was gonna return it and I didn't. And finally, I just nailed them up there. And she says the, she says the famous line. That's, there was a 45 years ago she yeah. did it, right? She said, Deborah, don't let a suitcase full of cheese be your big fork. And <laughs> I love that. Oh, I, I wanted to ask you, so while you're here, you know, we've talked about this. We do a, a segment on the show, Preston does it, uh, the, the Connoisseur, and we talk about all things food-based because it is such a foodie town. Mm -hmm. And obviously stadium food and sports venue yes. food has I now reached do a whole show about that. A yeah, different yeah. level. But I do because remember. I, I come from L.A., and I can tell you the worst stadium food in the world is the Dodger Dome. <laughs> no, really? Now, I heard, I heard you say this. What yes. makes the Dodger dog fail? Oh, it's a. If you like hot dogs, you're gonna hate a dog. <laughs> the, the thing we love about hot dogs. What's the number one thing? Well, the, what's the thing you love? The beef. The, the meat. The, and and what does it do when you bite it? Oh, it's, it's a nice little crunch. Yeah, to it. yeah. Got a snap, snap, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. They forgot the snap. Uh, <laughs> they, this is a limp 
piece of bologna <laughs> in food form. How's the roll? It, it tastes lousy. It's the, all, lousy. All, all lousy. How do you, all lousy. How do you it's F up like, a ballpark or a, a, a park frank? It doesn't make any it's sense. Almost an, it's almost an insult. Yeah. It's so bad that they started <laughs> doing something called the Brooklyn Dodger dog, oh. which is an all-beef grilled now you're talking. Okay. But the original Dodger dog is what my people call a Shonda. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> What's the best you've had in the a stadium, in a, in, a, in a sports complex? Oh, I guess the new SoFi Stadium, oh. football stadium yeah. in L.A. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, I get treated nice sometimes. My agents, they have a box. Like, uh -huh. a, they're, they're these things called owner suites around the thing. Right. I don't. I don't do it, but I was invited. Let me tell you, this experience, you drive, now there's always a lot of traffic around the stadium on game day. I mean, imagine this, where the Eagles play. You drive to the stadium, the cops part <laughs> the seas for you. They tell the traffic to stop there because you've got the thing on your windshield. They, You cross traffic, they are holding it. You go down a ramp by yourself, there's a there's a, a security check where they, they literally sweep under the car with the radar thing. Wow. Dogs. And then you go. And you go under the stadium like you're a player. Uh, and wow. then there's valet. You get out of your car. You open these glass doors. And you are in a Las Vegas buffet. Wow. 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 Yes. And that's for the people who have the owner suites. And I mean everything from... Carved meat to sushi, but like good sushi. <laughs> and then when you're stuffed with everything you could possibly imagine, you go to your suite. What's in the suite? More food. <laughs> and, a and a guy there. Like your personal valet butler guy to get you whatever you want. Yeah, it's amazing sometimes, especially you're there for such a good reason. And then to get that lavished upon you and get a I taste mean, of how they how they live. It's pretty amazing. You know how many times I've done that? How many? <laughs> They're definitely stepping up the stadiums. I was just at State Farm Arena for uh, the Eagles game last week in Phoenix, yeah. and they had a champagne yeah. bar what? that you Whoa. could go up to. It was open to everybody after halftime. Yeah. And wow. just in the Wells Fargo Center where the Sixers and the Flyers play, um, Jose Garces opened up a restaurant, and so did Mark Vetri. Yeah. So, oh, so he's the best. Isn't he great? He's the he's the greatest. And not, we don't even mention, you know, the Alex's Lemonade component. Yes. yes. You had that uh, food Liz... festival in Philly. Mm -hmm. I was there this year. It's one of the best food events in the world. Uh, Have and you guys ever been to that? Not that one. I haven't. We've done Alex Lemonade stand stuff uh, before. They're, I mean, it's just a great organization and the stuff that the they best. put on the events that we've hosted. Always great. And, and uh, yes. they're, they're just wonderful people. Yep. Hey. I was on Wheel of Fortune this week, and I donated my winnings to Alex's Lemonade. Oh, oh wonderful. Great organization. <laughs> Excellent. Hey, and Philly I love Roots. that. Hey, I, I, I also wanted to ask you, since, um, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're talking about the book, but you have a show uh, coming up November 10th at the Keswick Theater. What is a Phil Rosenthal live show like? Oh, you just, uh, I go on stage and eat something and you have to watch me. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, we're going to show the Philly episode. I want people to see. Oh, excellent. I want to hear some national, uh, some city, city pride. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think it'll be great to have... Uh, everyone together especially after covid and watch how beautiful their own city is i think it's great and then i do a moderated uh little talk and then and then q a with the people and i think 
I think we take pictures. I'm not sure. Okay. But, but I'm there for you. I, I, it's my way of saying thanks to, to the city. I really wanted to come back and show the episode to you guys. No, I love Wonderful. it. We, we, we love the, the, the celebration and you turning the spotlight on it because we've been proud of it for quite a while. And Yeah, uh, it's, uh, yeah it's great. It's the best. Hey, Phil, I, I wanted to ask, besides the, the Netflix show, you also have a YouTube channel. How does that uh, differ from uh, the, the Netflix program? Uh, I guess there's little things that I do in between filming the show, things like Phil's finds that we call it, where okay. I find things around town. And, and just turn you on to them. And then there's uh, bonus scenes that couldn't fit in the in the series I put on you, the YouTube channel. So you go to philrosenthalworld.com, and it's got connections to that and everywhere we go in the show. So, like, if you see something in Philly and you go, where where is that? How do I make a reservation? It's all on the website, philrosenthalworld.com. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, just a reminder, the book is out. Feed Phil the book, untold stories, behind-the-scenes photos, favorites, recipes, a cookbook, and also the show. Tickets on sale November 10th at the Keswick Theater, which is just a couple of weeks away. And? Amazing. And, yes? During Camp Out for I, Hunger. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be in town they, during yeah. our Camp Out. Yes. Oh, yes. That, yeah. that, yeah. The show is taking Tell place us. during Camp Out for Hunger, yes. Oh, good for you. Excellent. That's great. All Listen, right. if you want to help, if your, your listeners want to help the show, this I, you didn't hear this from me, but apparently it matters to Netflix if people watch the show like within the week. Okay. Like watch all of season six, six episodes. Okay. And there's a very special episode at the end because it's a tribute to my parents. Oh, oh all right. Absolutely. Nice. Okay. Well, yeah. we're, we're all on board and we're definitely going to spread you. the word. So uh, it's great to talk to you, Phil. Thanks so much. Good luck with everything. Love we'll being talk with to you, you guys. Excellent. Thank you. Phil Rosenthal. Yeah. Somebody feed Phil. Um, so, yeah, I got, I'm going to watch out right away. He told a story. Um, the Philly episode. I was watching an interview with him, Preston, and he talked about, you know, those those uh, thousand-year eggs, supposedly. The, uh, yeah. So, obviously, they're not in the ground for a thousand right. years. But, but uh, so they are, they're, they're curated, they're, they're whatever it is, they're supposed to be um, potent. But when you eat them, you're supposed to have, like, a little tiny bit, and he didn't realize. And they're he, fermented, right, uh, or something like that, yeah. Whatever it is, it's powerful. Yeah. So, he thinks, okay, it's like a hard-boiled egg, it was cut in half, and... He put the whole thing in his mouth and, and, and chewed on it and swallowed it. He said, and it, it nearly lifted his head off. I always wondered how those things tasted. He put he ranked that at the top of the top of the worst things he's ever eaten. Oh, really? Yeah. As far as disgusting Just food disgusting, goes? yeah. Oh, who's the guy? Man versus food? Was that, or who's was that? Adam Richard? No. No, who's the guy who would eat those just obscure, really strange, and sometimes disgusting? Adam would do that, um, yeah. Um, Adam Richmond would do stuff like that, right? Yeah, like, like really, really, like, and other, he put, yeah, really disgusting stuff. And at least to us, in some cultures, you know, that's what they love. And not only that, Steve, yeah. but he would, uh, like, if I were to eat something that I wasn't so sure about, I, you know, there would be an approach where I'd be like, I don't know. No, about, he, no, he, he just eats pop it, it in like he's like a Pez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a different show. It wasn't Adam. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, I, uh, I'm not game for that. No, <laughs> yeah, no. Really. Well, we tried. We, we, listen, we gave we've paid our dues with Sir Stroman and uh, Durian. Oh, my God. Yeah. We'll take a break. Be right back. Preston and Steve on 93.3 WMMR. Introducing the Duncan Run. A dollar donut with any medium coffee. A whole new era of... I'm going on a Dunkin' Run. You want anything? Yeah, maybe a jelly donut and an iced coffee? You got it. Wait, actually, glazed donut and a hot coffee. Mm. Okay, back on track. Make it a Dunkin' Run. Get a $1 donut with any medium coffee. America runs on Dunkin'. 
Exclude specialty donuts and fancies. Offer valid on medium or larger coffees. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply.